Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. I think about my adopted dad, Dave, yeah. who showed me El Mariachi, yeah. who showed me uh, Clerks, who showed mm-hmm. me Reservoir Dogs. And little did he know, you know, 20, 25 years later, yeah. his son wouldn't have the same opportunities as yeah. them. Yeah. Even if he did do everything right, and even yeah. if he was an embodiment of the independent spirit, yeah. and even if he did present opportunities to groups of people that wouldn't have those opportunities otherwise, yeah. he'd be overlooked because we're a celebrity worshiping mm-hmm. sort of you know what i mean yeah. like like virtue signaling yeah. sort of culture now Hello, my frame chasers. You know it's Wednesday, and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame today. I'm with Hassani Johnson. Hassani, how are you today, man? I am doing great, John. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you for being on, by the way. This is like a big get, I feel like. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, because I was talking to Adia, and they're like, you have to get Hassani on. And I talked to Veronica, she's like, you have to get Hassani on. So I'm like, I got to get Hassani on. <laughs> so I finally got you on. So before we get into the episode, I just want to take care of some housekeeping items. From the moment this ad started, this many videos have been uploaded to YouTube. You want to stand out? Then you need the best music for your videos. Get unlimited access to Artlist's complete music catalog with amazing new music added daily that's pre-checked for monetization. It doesn't matter what kind of creator you are or how big your channel is. With Artlist, you're free to create. Start now and stand out. As you know, we have a t-shirt on Teespring teespring.com slash door slash chasing dash the dash frame. We got men's and women hashtag frame chasers shirts in black with white lettering ranging from about $20 to about $25.99 for that tri blend shirt. That's the most expensive shirt on there, but I shit you guys not. Those shirts are super duper comfy. I don't know if you do you have a Teespring by the way? Because I see a shirt that you made, it looks like. I don't, but I, don't. I am into custom merch. Yeah, so it's free to make, by the way. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, and honestly, I bought two shirts. You can buy them for a little cheaper if you want to have a product sample yeah, and stuff absolutely. like that. But they're super soft and super like comfy. I love comfort shirts, you know. So I can't really complain about I'm it. I'm sold. You're sold. <laughs> yeah, I, you're gonna make one today when you're I'm home. Right? One, yep. So uh last bit of housekeeping, um, just to let you guys know we're gonna try something different. So I'm not gonna try to produce the 
promote the Patreon as much anymore. I really don't care about that. It's more about you guys listening and trying to, you know, get information from these wonderful people that I have on the podcast, and hopefully you guys are. And so we're just going to ask for donations. So if you want to donate, you can go to paypal.me slash ctfpodcast. That's paypal.me slash ctfpodcast. You can do a cash app if you have that, the J Demarco 3 J-D-I-M-A-R-C-O-3. Also, as you see on the YouTube videos, um, we are accepting Litecoin XRP donations on YouTube. So keeping the good faith in the cryptocurrency because, hey, it's basically going to be the future. So let's be real about it. Plus, it doesn't have to be a whole Litecoin right now. Plus, XPR at the moment in February something, it is under 30 cents. I know this is going to be like released whenever. So it could be more, but again, I don't need one hole of anything. It's just a donation, anything, five bucks, two dollars, whatever you guys feel like. I'm not asking for the world, and it's up to you guys. And if you just want to listen for free, that's even better. I don't care. So again, guys, you know, thank you for listening. So let's get to it. Who's ready to chase dreams today? So Hassani, first question I ask everyone on the mm-hmm. podcast. Are you ready for it? Yes, sir. Where are you from originally? I am originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. Okay, wow. <laughs> I think uh, you're the first Milwaukee person I met on the show now. Yeah, man, I am. Um, I grew up there. I didn't leave until I was about 23. Okay. I bounced around a okay. bit, but uh, Milwaukee's a mixed bag, man. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I would say, uh, okay, so I grew up in a very infamous yeah. zip code called okay. 53206. That's it. It is a zip code where more black men are arrested per capita than any other zip code or relative city oh, in the wow. world. It was also worse than Camden, New Jersey. Way worse. It is actually, it was voted the number one worst place in America to grow up black by Forbes magazine. Holy shit. That's terrible. Yeah. I was told by my fifth grade teacher (laughs) that uh, he looked at our class and he told us like there was 13 boys in the class and he was like, statistically only one of you boys are going to get out of this neighborhood without going to jail or getting killed. He was like, none of you will make it to 21. Holy shit. That's that's some real shit right there. Yeah, it was. It was. It's accurate because yeah. on my block, I am the the only boy. Even my own brother. Yeah, he went to prison. Mm-hmm. He was shot a couple times. Oh, shit. Uh, a bunch of my friends from childhood, they're yeah. all gone. They oh wow, passed, you know, passed because of drug and gang violence. Yeah, yeah. So it was really rough getting out of there. There is that side of it. Plus, yeah, yeah. it's been ranked the number one most segregated city in America for wow the better part of forty years. You Holy wouldn't think shit. that because no. it's north. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's the Midwest, but I mean... It's kind still, of the Texas yeah. of the north, in oh, okay. my opinion. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I've never been to Milwaukee, so I can't really go, no, it's not. <laughs> now, here's the weird part about right, it. tell me. Um, I have experienced it being one of the most nourishing places on the planet still. How so? Well, because I carry the term, like, the number one most segregated city yeah, yeah. in America... It was a shock to me to hear that because all of my mentors mm-hmm. and all of the people that kind of picked up the slack for yeah. uh, me not having my dad around mm-hmm. and me not having, you know, a, a healthy mom yeah. were white oh, okay. and of other races. Yeah, They were white, they were Hispanic, they were Asian, and they took great care of me. Yeah. So the whole segregated aspect of it kind of blew my mind. So I think it's important that when people think of Milwaukee and they think of the number yeah. one most segregated ser- city in the country, yeah, yeah. they don't think about it in terms of it being racist. Yeah, um, I think there's just an infrastructure built during a time where, yes, mm-hmm. maybe racism came into play. Yeah, and the way the city kind of lays itself out mm-hmm. isn't necessarily it hasn't changed very much. Is it a suburb or a city? It's a city. Okay. Milwaukee is a okay, huge city. Uh, I just, yeah. well, I just have but brain the part. suburbs. I sound stupid. Yeah. yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The yeah. area I grew up in is no joke. It's yeah. a 
terrible, terrible area. Because yeah. when all the projects in Chicago got yeah. shut down by law enforcement, yeah. and like they bulldozed Cabrini Green down, mm-hmm. which is like an infamous project mm-hmm. where uh, they shot Candyman. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they bulldozed that down. Yeah. They there was a new one there. <laughs> I know. I know. They, I mean, hell, it's still a scary area. But um, all of the people that lived there that yeah, yeah. were kind of pushing the criminal elements, they oh, wow. went north to Milwaukee, shit. to the projects yeah, in yeah. Milwaukee. So the early 90s, late 80s were just horrendous. There were oh. many nights where me and my family and my younger siblings had to sleep in the bathtub because yeah. they were just shooting so much outside. Holy and fuck. that was the only place my mother could think of where bullets wouldn't wow possibly kill us because they would fly right through yeah, the house yeah. so it was a it was a really rough area but there are some miraculous things there was definitely yeah. some hand of god moments in my uh upbringing yeah. and during my childhood holy shit wow <laughs> yeah it's a lot of information <laughs> that's a lot of information but <laughs> crazy fucking story um, holy shit hell yeah i mean i got a i got a million of them. yeah well hey <laughs> uh, second question I ask is what was the first uh, you know actor director movie TV show anything creative really that said to you, that spoke to you and said I want to do this for the rest of my life um, at a very young age mm-hmm. um, I met my best friend okay <clears throat> my best friend Adam okay and we just clicked we were like eight how old were you old. oh yeah, okay, nice. and we clicked yeah we were skipping church together um, <laughs> his dad. <laughs> Well, his dad, yeah, I know. <laughs> tells you how, tells you a little bit about him and I. Um, but uh, we, his father, yeah. was a master photographer. Oh wow! And I would go to Chicago to visit him mm-hmm. with um, with my best friend. Yeah. And after a while, he just kind of like took me in. Mm. Like he kind of like paid a lot of my expenses. Oh wow! Yeah. He passed down. That's where he, my cinematography base definitely comes from. Growing up and yeah his studio yeah and watching him shoot mcdonald's national uh uh, photography because his food photography is kind of his his forte okay and um he he did he did everything he did playboy he did nun bush he did coca-cola he did uh baskin robbins i mean you name it it. he did it and um essentially he's kind of like if you're a photography buff he's like the herberts of food oh wow and um he he knew I was into making movies at a young age, mm-hmm. so he would like grab me by the collar and like put me down in a chair and be like, "You need to watch this movie." And it was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was El Mariachi. Okay. And it was, it was Reservoir Dogs. Okay. And it was Clerks. Okay, so you got the original Sundance tri- trio, basically. Of I like course, yeah. Because he, I think he was more inspired by the story under which mm-hmm. those films came together. Yeah. That it was like true, quote unquote, mm. indie film. Yeah. And, and Kevin Smith, by all means, is Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Is, and Robert Rodriguez kind of connected with me because mm. I was making films and yeah. my dad, Dave, yeah. kind of made it seem like that was something I could do. Yeah, yeah. He was like, this guy sold his, sold, he sold yeah. his body to science to pay for this film. And $7,000. $7,000. And, and I was looking at it and in my head, I could break it down. Yeah. I was like, oh, I see how you did that. And yeah. I was only like, what, 10 or 11 years old. So would you say you're a prodigy of the filmmaking then? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no Bobby Fisher of a... <laughs> it was definitely, it's been a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a natural by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, but uh, t- uh, time has served me well. Yeah. That's it, good. Yeah. Yeah. So, El Mariachi, what, do you like that better than Desperado? 
or Desperado better than El Mariachi? Oh, Desperado. Desperado, okay. of course. I mean, El Mariachi for <laughs> yeah. inspirational purposes, yeah, yeah. but Desperado for style. Mm-hmm. And Antonio forever cemented his... Yeah, that is true, yeah. <laughs> his place in, Yeah, in action history. Because, <laughs> I, I mean... There was Arnold, there was yeah. there was Van Damme, yep. there was Stallone, but nobody was as smooth oh, and, and, suave, and, and yeah. as handsome yeah. as as Antonio. So like and to this day I, I don't think we have a hero who is as smooth as he was. Not even James Bond. Film. Not even like a Not at no. all. Wow. Not That's, at all. Because I mean yeah, yeah. Uh, the hair, uh-huh. the way he moved, yeah. how cool he was with, with the ladies and with Yeah, he was. And I mean, can you imagine James Bond in Mexico? Like doing what he was doing there? No, but I mean, I can't imagine Daniel Craig. Pierce Brosnan, I kind of can. <laughs> can if you? I, yeah. I think they would have stomped a hole in his ass the moment he walked into one of those bars. Well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're right. Cheech, well, Cheech ask, would have called him let out. Let me ask right you this. Away. Okay, out of Desperado and uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, because I only have fully saw Once Upon a Time in Mexico, mm-hmm. but it was it as good as Desperado or Don't I, remember I, it. Don't remember it. I did watch it okay. in theaters. So it's we not that memorable. That. Nah, I mean, I love everything he does. Yeah. Uh, it was good. Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp's in. I he think, gets blind and stuff, I think, right? I love Johnny Depp, but I think yeah. his presence diluted. Mm. Yeah, he has a like the, he has a, especially during that time. Yep, he had a weird pre, like a, a very high presence for like especially like Charlie and the Chocolate mm-hmm. Factory that kind of ruined it for me. And I love the book. I think the film would have been so much better if they just let it be Antonio's film. Yeah, no, I again. agree. I agree. So, it's his uh, like last movie, you know, absolutely. in the trilogy, and even like the only. Uh, Going to Giant Depp, though, Dead Man is a great Giant Depp film, if you ever see that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I'm blanking on the director. It's someone. I'll show you after. I have the movie. Absolutely. Um, so going back to that. So you're 10 years old, you're saying? when you Around that age. Around yeah. that age. So then do you, when do you get a camera to start going around? Is his, is his your friend's dad giving the camera to you to go around? No. no? Um, I had a couple friends. Well, here's the thing. I lived in the inner city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. I was as poor as poor could be. Yeah. Like, food was hard to come yeah. by. At certain points in my life, because mm. my mom just, she just was sickly yeah. for it, as long as I can remember, and yeah. I didn't know my dad. So, uh, the, how can I explain it? Um, I grew up going to a school where I went to school with mm. a bunch of privileged kids. Gotcha. That yeah. had money, and they had money to blow, so mm. they had cameras laying around. Okay. And I would see them making films, and okay. I would just jump Right into like borrowing their cameras because yeah. they were bored with them. Yeah, and I would use two VCRs to edit. Yeah, like my films, and that was kind of what I set out to do. At some point, I would actually even just I would like ask my mom for bus fare so I can like yeah. ride to their side of the town and just mm. borrow their cameras and yeah. shoot stuff, and then bring the tapes back, mm. and then use two broken yeah. VCRs to do what I had to do. So when you did that, you went when you're in school though. There's no. Video class, I'm guessing, at the school you went to, or was there? Were you like there was you? later? There was later. There so was you, later. Were you missing out on that boat? Was it towards the end of your tenure at school when that happened, no. or was it? <laughs> this is where it gets a little geeky. Okay, go ahead. Um, I like geeky. It's fun. I, I grew up in the inner city, and the way I kind of got out was because academically, yeah. I, I had skills. Okay. I was pretty yeah. smart as a young person. Don't know what happened now, <laughs> but um, as a young person, I was pretty smart, so yeah. I would qualify for all of these gifted and talented okay. like, programs. Yeah, and the I would so I would take college yeah. courses over the summer, and during that time, like, I would take like courses like computer animation. Mm-hmm. I would take like a, a screenwriting, yeah, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you know, different languages and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the computer animation classes that was filmmaking, yeah. just yeah. In, 
like I was using a program called Wireman back in the early 90s at Northwestern. Yeah, because it was the beginning. It was like right around the Jurassic Park times. And like we had to make a whole film by the end of the summer. Holy shit. And I did that every summer from like age nine up until age How long were you in that computer lab for daily? Because I feel like that that would take forever. Probably about five or six hours. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) And we were little kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was crazy because I remember I took that class and... I was told I was getting a B. Yeah. And I cried like a little punk. Oh, Because I was such a geek yeah. that when I didn't get an A, I cried. And he still didn't change my grade. Sounds Such bitch. a traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, um, the academically, yeah. the academics, I tested yeah. into, I essentially wanted to go to this private school called University School in Milwaukee. Okay. My whole life. Yeah. I could see it. It had like this giant goal. steeple, yeah. yeah, and I could see it yeah. from like the church I went to. Oh, nice! I was like, yeah, wherever that beacon of hope is, yeah. that's where I want to be. Yeah. And I kept applying, and mm-hmm. we always had the timing wrong. Yeah. They gave out scholarships, but we always came around the wrong time yeah. of the year. And finally, we timed it right. Yeah, I took the test and I got in. And that was that's kind a, of, and that's a college. No, it's no. a it's a it's a prep, college preparatory house. Okay, well. Yeah. Uh, high school like type of thing goes from preschool all the way up to 12th oh, grade. oh okay okay wow <laughs> my graduating class was 80 kids okay i thought because i thought they said university yeah but I'm think, i always think of high, uh, college that's everybody why. does that yeah. but i think so they I do it to let you know there's a slight differentiation between like a charter school mm-hmm. they like it's one of the nation's top high schools I oh believe. wow yeah they send, they get a lot of national merit scholars they have a hundred percent college yeah. placement like That's good. Uh, yeah. uh, rating and stuff like that. Oh, Everybody shit. gets yeah, yeah. gets accepted to like their top three schools, basically. Wow! So I should went uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. And uh, but once again, I found, I met some of the most loving people yeah. I could. I was mm-hmm. surrounded by wonderful, wonderful yeah. classmates. And I think it's the school costs like almost. I think it's mid thirties. Yeah. Per wow! Year, Holy shit! Per year, it yeah, yeah. costs as much as most Ivy League colleges. Yeah. So. You grew up around kids who had access to things that uh, you didn't yeah. or I didn't. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of benefited from that. I was able to, you know, kind of use their tools to refine my skills. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, I found a group of kids who really enjoyed filmmaking as nice. much as I did. So what was that group, being that group like? What were you guys doing at that time? Like making films and stuff like that? Like, were you guys doing like action skateboard films? films? <laughs> yeah, action films? Yeah. Yeah, we were all starring in. We were all on the football team. Okay. A bunch of them were on my gymnastics team. And we just... We just did action films, like stunts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It snowed in Wisconsin all the time, so you fun. had natural yeah. mats. Yeah. Like, you could just <laughs> fall on big hills and, like, jump off of cars. Yeah. and <laughs> It was awesome. We used the reverse effect, too. Okay. So we'd, like, we would bury the back of somebody's mom's car in yeah. a giant mound of snow yeah. and have someone, like, jump off and we'd hold like a baseball bat real high <laughs> and swing it down and then when you play it back yeah. it looks like we swung up and knocked him <laughs> up onto the so like we were yeah. we were rocking the reverse effect like champs yeah. at a young age you are the reverse yeah. you have a uh, like a boy scout so you now get uh, that's pinned. a shirt we should make yeah. <laughs> reverseeffect.com yeah. it's all tutorials on running things backward yeah. anywho um but yeah that's i think that's kind of where the majority of my skills came from. Yeah. That's how I started in things. Mm-hmm. And we just, we made films at that school. Me and a group of about five or six kids yeah. made films, feature length films, yeah. every year mm-hmm. from age 16 to age 20. Oh, wow. That's maybe good. even 21. Yeah. And we would rent out a movie theater. Because once again, it was these kids who had a little bit of access, yeah. but didn't want to waste their time with like, you know, drugs or anything yeah. like that. They were kind of geeks like me. Yeah. So we would go and, 
rent out a movie theater mm-hmm. and like we would make these serious dramatic action films <laughs> where we had 16 year olds playing the president <laughs> and um and like it's possible and we were possible. so we we put it in theaters for the first week and yeah. we were like 16 or 17 yeah. and we and like we didn't alert anyone to yeah. tell anyone and these random people saw our stuff on the marquee and would come oh in God. and watch it yeah and like they would laugh yeah and i'd be sitting in the back just so just fuming like how could they laugh at us this is serious. Did you did you walk out and like, stomp out? <laughs> I was so mad. And then uh like the local news caught wind of it somehow okay. and came and started interviewing people who saw the film and okay. they interviewed us. Yeah, and yeah. like all of my other friends seemed really clear on the fact that we had made like a garbage film. Yeah. But people would come in thinking it was a real film because it was on the marquee, yeah. pay for it, and then laugh all the way through. And when they interviewed them, yeah. they'd be like, it's the best comedy of the year. <laughs> You got to come see it. So we started to sell out. And even though we were making money hand over fist, I uh, You're like, I was serious? mad. I was so mad, dude. And then my friends, my friends, like for a year. I <laughs> know it's terrible, yeah. isn't it? I was such but a little so pretentious little so asshole. Yeah. And uh, my, my friends would spend like the whole year being like, dude, we got to do it again. We yeah. made like, we cleared a lot of money Holy shit. after that, like after screening there. Yeah. And, um. We just did it every year, yeah. and I finally got on the bandwagon. Then, yeah. like, look, this is gonna did be take funny. It a year later, or a year yeah, after. Yeah, <laughs> it took about a year for me to recover from that. Yeah, and um, <laughs> we did it every year, and I just knew people were gonna get a kick out of it yeah. because it was kids doing this stuff, and, mm. and people started coming more and more people yeah. every year. So we kind of, but then we hit an age where people started telling us, "You should probably focus on school, figure yeah. out what you're gonna do." Or better films. Yeah, and I was wondering what's <laughs> yeah. wrong with me because yeah. I wasn't growing out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, but luckily I had a guy who had spent his entire adult life making a living off the arts. Yeah. Dave, he was yeah. a photographer. And I think he recognized a kindred spirit, so mm-hmm. he nourished it, Yeah, encouraged me to run to L.A. as yeah. soon as I could. And that's and what in I 23, did. you went to L.A.? Yep. Okay, so you went to L.A. with, basically, did you know anyone in L.A., first of all? No. Okay. Um, I got a job mm-hmm. online. And I had six hundred dollars in my pocket okay. when I well, I had two hundred dollars in my pocket and four hundred in my bank account when I moved to LA. Yeah. And um I paid my deposit yeah. and first month's rent, which was separate from that. So yeah. once I did all that, I had six hundred yeah. bucks left. And I thought I was bawling. Hey. I was like, this LA thing's easy. Yeah. I just gotta you know, I'm gonna work this job for a while. Yeah. I was I, I, I went to I was in the BFA program at the University of Wisconsin, okay. Milwaukee, which is Bachelor of Fine Arts mm-hmm. and Acting. And um, hey, I got a BFA. Yeah, yay! Yeah. What you what you study? I went to uh, Mason Gross in Rutgers University, Ooh. Bachelor of Fine Arts in Visual Arts. Wow, yeah. you worked hard for that. I guess so. I mean, I, <laughs> technically, I went to Keene University in New Jersey for a year, but I heard it was easier to transfer to Rutgers. Mm. And I hated Keene because it was like a commuter college and shit like that, and like all my friends went to Rutgers, so I think I got lucky getting into Mason Gross, but. Maybe I wasn't. Mm. I don't know. I think community college is a good idea, man. Because I felt like at eighteen, yeah. I was way too young to be making decisions. I mean, Keene wasn't a community college; it was an actual university. Oh, was yeah, mm. it was but it's just commuter school. Like you know, you go, it take you twenty minutes to go up there and stuff like that. I would have done community college. Yeah, I kind of, kind of regret. Like I, maybe I should. It's a lot college. of money to. Yeah, like you should have to like. You but, should have to test or something to like spend that much yeah. money at such a young age. Well, also, like when I went to, I was undecided, but I knew I was going to go for film, and Keen had a film program, so uh, I was going to go there. And then I hate the school so much that I'm like, 
I'm gonna transfer to Rutgers and go to Mason Gross. I know that's the only thing they have video wise. Mm-hmm. So and then like the last year they have a fucking film certificate program. I'm like, I'm gonna graduate too late for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, you're gonna love this. So I get to LA. Yeah. Um, I brought all all of my filmmaking equipment. Yeah. That's how I was gonna make a living on the yeah. side. I was gonna act as well because yeah. acting was bringing in. A, a decent well, and income you went for a BFA of acting mm-hmm. too. So, and I've been because of yeah. Dave, my my yeah. my dad. Mm. I uh, I had an agent in Chicago. Yeah. I had okay. been working wow, for yeah. a while and making oh, good money. Question then about mm-hmm. acting, real quick. Do you mm-hmm. do what what um style do you do? Meisner, Adler, Strasberg. Is it Strasberg? I don't know. Str- yeah. Well, I don't really subscribe to any particular technique. Okay. I think I think I I, te- I teach an acting class yeah. here in yes, Las yes. Vegas and. I don't subscribe to any technique because mm. I try to stay fairly general with my instructions. Okay. I try to help people come up with strategies for analyzing the text, how to approach a scene. Um, I believe you can learn from any system, take yeah. my class, and still get a lot of value yeah, from yeah. it. Because it's about navigating the business, yeah. keeping from getting scammed, how to read the room, yeah. um, find, you know, blocking, yeah. finding your light on, on set, avoiding stacking, mm. Like how to make the most of being in an indie film, yeah. like how you know how yeah. you can contribute as an as an okay. actor to yeah. like staying in focus and things of that yeah. nature. For when you're working with a talented yet inexperienced yeah. filmmaker, yeah. you just make their job that much easier. Yeah. And how do you communicate that you're that level of actor from an audition? Mm-hmm. So we focus a lot on audition prep. Yeah. We have a a a working actor or agent or producer mm. from LA or New York talk to the class every session. Okay. So I don't really subscribe to any like hard set. I'm, I'm, I yeah. c- call it the Jeet Kune Do of acting. I was going to call it the uh, Hisami uh, <laughs> style or something It's like, like we don't subscribe to <laughs> yeah. any given form. Be like water with your auditions. Um, thank you, Bruce. <laughs> thank you. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Pour a little out for Bruce. Um, oh, water. <laughs> no, like water. Be like water. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, but my first month moving to LA, yeah, I had a job. Everything was going great. What were you doing? Uh, I was coaching gymnastics. I was doing okay. this my whole life, yeah, and uh, or most of my life. Okay, and, um, I I was teaching uh, in the Pasadena, mm-hmm. and I lived in an apartment with a guy who I'd vaguely met. Yeah, well, I knew of him. Yeah, and I moved in with this guy, and while I went home, I left. In mid-October, went yeah. back home for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. came back, and he had robbed me. Holy shit. Yeah, he robbed me. And I saw the signs, too. I saw little things starting to come up missing, but I just yeah. couldn't believe he was stealing from me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, That's insane. <laughs> yeah, he, he robbed me of all of my $20,000 worth of filmmaking. Equipment. Holy shit. What did you have at the moment, if I may ask? If you it, remember. This was 2006 or seven. Yeah, so you're 20, I had, and you're 23, too. Yep. So you're young still. So, But I had amassed some things through yeah. acting and through working yeah, yeah. with my, my, my best friend, who yeah. was a filmmaker as well. I had a Canon XL2. Oh, hey, yeah, nice. I had, I had GL2. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I do. I had a Canon XL2. Yeah. I had a... Um, a deck okay. that, that took mini DV yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. It had a hard drive on the inside oh, and nice. it had a DVD burner. Oh, wow. So I could plug AV cords into mm. it and record TV shows onto the hard drive inside of it. Oh, wow. That's a really cool device. Yeah. And I could record TV shows to the mini DV yeah, yeah. or straight to DVD if yeah. I wanted. It was like a DVR type thing. Oh, so nice. I, I could make a living off that device alone because of all the actors who needed their commercials yeah. or whatever. I could just time it, yeah. record their commercial for them, put it on tape, mm-hmm. take it to my nonlinear editor, put their name on it, boom. Yeah. 
So demo reels alone, almost any format they gave yeah. me, I could I could break it down and, and yeah. get it into my computer. Oh wow! And it, and he took that. He took a ton of video games. He he took he took the most important stuff. The video yeah, games. <laughs> no video <laughs> games. He took jewelry that my mom oh, like shit. passed down to me. Like you know what I mean? Things yeah. I had that were like I'm precious. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, and it was it was insane. That was like my first month in California. Yeah. And, uh, what a month! Now here's the here's the <laughs> kicker. Here's the kicker. I got there right. I got there right. Yeah. And I met met up with him. I met the landlord. Yeah. And I signed my lease. I paid my deposit. I paid my first month's rent. Except after he robbed me and I called the police, they got a hold of the landlord. Yeah. Not the lady I met. Does not have a lease with my name on it. Oh fuck! So I was left high and dry. She couldn't get rid of me because my lease was still valid. I had mail coming there, and the police yeah, yeah. were like, he lives here. Yeah. Like, he were you technically a squatter then? In, in to that, to, to her, degree? Yeah. but legally, no. Okay. I, I, had, a, I, had, yeah. I had a documented history oh, yeah. paying. But, I had sublet it. He oh, broke the law, not okay. me. Okay, so technically. So, wait, it's not that. She still would have had yeah. to give me my 30-day notice and yeah. then a sheriff's, like, 30-day notice. Yeah. And instead, she was like, what do you want to do? Oh, okay. She was nice begrudgingly said, what do you want to do? And yeah. I was like, I need a place to live. Yeah. And she was like, well, rent is 2200 a month. Yeah. Oh, so shit. she raised it to try and get rid of me. And that was, like, my entire check. Yeah. And then the, the energy bill and yeah. the gas bill, that all was that all shit. in yeah. his name. And he never came back. Oh. So I was sitting in the dark. And taking cold showers because just trying to get them to switch yeah. it. They thought it was a scam. They thought since he hadn't paid the bills in so long, we were just trying to switch it to a, another person's name yeah, in the yeah. house to get the power back on yeah. and we were going to run it up and not pay them. Yeah. So they wouldn't allow me to put it in my name. Wow. They made me pay these huge deposits, which I couldn't pay because yeah. I was already paying <laughs> terrible amounts yeah. of rent. So I would sit in Walmart or Kmart. And like find an outlet and plug on my laptop yeah. and just stay until close. Holy shit! Yeah, it was it was an insane first year in California, and I that, can't believe I weathered that, weathered that storm. So hey, you know what that means? Good things about to happen. I, it did too. So it did. There you, you know? go. So power of staying. But yeah, that's that's uh yeah interesting story. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, so what happened after? This whole mass, this whole not massacre, this whole ordeal happened. <laughs> it did. It, it was a it was a confidence <laughs> yeah, mass. Yeah. Uh, I ended up. I, I I still found an agent. Okay. I found a manager. I mm-hmm. started booking. I used that money to buy a car. Yeah. I used that money. I found a roommate. Yeah. Um, stay, 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 did you stay at the same house still? Yep. Okay. And he had a key to come back. But the thing Dude. is, yeah, my old roommate, he still had a key. Yeah. Which is crazy. You think she would change the lock stuff. So they're starting to pay now. The, the yeah. Rent, you you think. think she would, but she didn't. I kind of wanted him to come back because <laughs> oh. I wanted to catch him. Oh, okay. But he never came back. He never even thought about it. I wonder if he, like, knew all this shit was going to go down and he was, like, getting this. He heat. set me up. Oh, yeah. He totally yeah. set me up. He totally set me up. Yeah, yeah. I, he, it turned out he had a really bad, like, meth problem. Mm. And I, it was funny because I, I talked to my mom about it and she was like, she was like, I know you know crackheads when you see them. Yeah. Which is <laughs> crazy because, like, like you, you grew up in a really shitty part of town. And she was like, you knew yeah. this was going to happen. She was like, when stuff started missing, yeah. you knew crackhead behavior. Yeah. This is your fault. And I was yeah. like, oh, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hey, should have known. Mom's always right. Yep, yeah. she was totally right. <laughs> so she was, like, so unsympathetic. Yeah. It was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but I learned, and um, I ended up uh, just building, building yeah. and building. And now, you know, I own my own production company. Mm-hmm. I booked a lot of acting gigs. Yeah. I moved into Koreatown from Pasadena okay. and just 
used acting and the money I made from mm-hmm. acting to pay for all the equipment I needed for yeah. filmmaking and all of the expenses. I ended up moving to the Riverside, uh, Riverside, California, mm-hmm. and doing most of my filmmaking out there because okay. it, it dropped my living expenses yeah. a little bit. That's closer, isn't that closer to Vegas than? Oh yeah, obviously only but... about a only about an hour. Okay, so and, and then uh, also you doing these acting gigs? Were they like for commercials? Mostly commercials. Okay. mostly commercials. Um, Any SAG, national commercials? Nationals, tons. Yeah. What, what, which there ones? Was... If I if I may, and I look for them. A lot of cell phone campaigns. Okay. Um, Anything where I had to play like military guys. There was my biggest one was a Boeing Boeing campaign because okay. they make military equipment airplanes. Yeah. So I was actually a Marine. So like my yeah. my build in that, I looked like a GI Joe. So okay. it was just easy, easy work for yeah. me. Uh, there was Walgreens. There was well, I had um, to look for like all the yeah. Now. There was there was yeah. a ton of them. There were music videos. Uh, like I was actually in a music video that won music video of the year. Yeah. I was on a TV show called Glee. Yeah. I was on okay. Law and Order. Okay. Uh, I was on Mind of Encia. Oh, wow. You're on a lot of things. I was on a lot a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, a lot more national. You still do a lot of stuff and like that, too? Not no? at all. Okay, just No, because I, I, I was, I love it. Yeah. But I don't think I was meant to be a young actor. I yeah. just, I really was using it as a tool to mm-hmm. become a filmmaker. Yeah. And at one point, I knew I was going to be behind camera talking yeah. to actors who had, who were really having a mm-hmm. tough time or wanted to feel like they had an advocate on yeah. set. So that t- period of my life, um, I think it puts actors at ease knowing I I know the auditioning yeah. process. I know what it's like to have to mm-hmm. go after agent. I know everything they did yeah. to get in front of me mm-hmm. to play that part. Yeah, yeah. And I respect it. Yeah. Uh, I also know that in a weird way, know how to speak their language because mm. I was there. Yeah. You know, I, I know what I should say, what I shouldn't say, what I can get away with. Yeah. It just feels like uh, they sh- they'll trust me a little bit. Yeah. There's a learning step for you because you knew, obviously you said, Absolutely. you knew you were going to be behind the camera. Absolutely. It's just like, okay, I'm seeing it from a different perspective. So Absolutely. when the time comes, I know all this knowledge of what mm-hmm. actors are doing. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. So it, that on top of taking the time to just yeah. use the money to build myself yeah. up, it, it really did it worked pretty doggone well because mm. most of the actors I work with, I think they do find it refreshing yeah. that I'm not assuming what they go through yeah, or yeah. what they're going through and that I can kind of pick my moments and understand yeah, yeah. when they need time. Uh, there's a lot of unspoken kind of like body language moments that I feel like I'm good <clears> at picking up on yeah. a set. That, and, and with most of my films, yeah, most of the films that I make... Mm. They are with crews where the majority of the crew are doing that position, that mm-hmm. actual job for the yeah. first time in, my, in their life. And sometimes it's the same way with yeah. the actors. But I definitely feel like I'm acquainted with with that newness. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was always in front of new casting directors. Yeah. I was always searching for new agents and managers. And, and you're always in front of new people. All, yep. Always so, around new people. Yep. Always on new sets. Yep. And, you know, I know what it's like to do indie films. Yeah. I know what it's like to be scammed. I know what it's like to be scammed and know you should have caught it. Did you get scammed also in the acting thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I've had a lot of inappropriate things happen, a lot oh, wow. of lines crossed that shouldn't have been. And almost every single time I knew yeah, yeah. what was happening, but I was either being too opportunistic or too polite to yeah. say anything. And I think that's something I cover in my class. I mm-hmm. think that's something uh, I definitely look out for for yeah. actors. Because, I mean, there's no better life... There's no better teacher in life than experience. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, so, you can't be all theory and no practice. Absolutely. Think, to quote Dane DeVito in uh, Twins. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, good quote, by the way. You. Thank you. It's my, it's my usual one on the show. <laughs> uh, so, you, so you go to Riverside, and you're making these films. Now, mm-hmm. are you making films through your experience of your set life from Milwaukee, yeah. or are you also going on other sets to understand what they're doing behind the scenes as well? Because I know as an actor, you're seeing the behind the scenes in a... Mm-hmm. In a in your eyes, right? But you're not really behind the scenes on the crew side, where it might be a little different. Now, were you doing that as well, too? Were you crewing up in general? Well, here's the crazy part. Like, by the time I felt like I wanted to dive back into filmmaking, because I had made films on my own. Yeah, no yeah. teaching, no nothing, until I was about 20 years old. Mm. And then I focused on acting. Yeah. Um, but... The cool part is I always knew I was a filmmaker. Yeah. So anytime I was on set, I was shadowing the director. Okay. I was shadowing the director. I was memorizing the mics they were using. I yeah. was memorizing the cameras, the lenses, mm-hmm. um, the cadence of how they you know, get everything synced up to run the take. I feel like I had been in film school the entire time. Yeah. And, but, not just, but not from a teacher who did it a little bit and then... Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, Decided yeah. he wanted to teach. Again, it goes back to all theory, yeah, no practice. Exactly. But from like p- the top people in yeah, the country. Yeah. Like when I was on the TV show Glee, that was one of the greatest experiences. I still don't think Brad Falchuk mm. and, and Ryan Murphy don't realize that I was like on their hip pocket oh, the really? entire time. Yeah, because I was just a little fly on the wall. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I was a little obnoxious with asking them questions yeah. during when we ate or mm. when I saw they weren't doing anything. But I don't think they ever put it together that yeah. like this kid is like, He's he's like sponging everything. Yeah, yeah. And I did. I did that on every single shoot. I what, sponged. What did you so learn? Much. What was the most valuable thing you've learned, if I'm asked? Uh oh. There we go. There yep. We go. I well, I definitely learned a lot of technical things. Mm-hmm. I learned that it wasn't as hard as people make it seem. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is about access. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I learned that you don't have to be a dick yeah. to be a director. Uh, especially working on Glee. Those yeah. guys were, they really had uh, kind of a, a gentle touch with their cast and crew. Mm-hmm. And it's, we had a really good time. Um, I learned that, I don't know, there was a lot of ease about yeah, the yeah. sets I was on. There was one director who yeah. was really, really hardcore, and it was on a national commercial. Mm. He was really, really hardcore, and I loved it. Hardcore in what way? Like, uh, yelling. It? Okay. Yelling. Screaming. Okay, that hardcore. Like, yeah, firing people. Oh, wow. Um, but he was great. Yeah. He was great. Because he knew what he wanted. Yep, and yeah. no one would question it, and he made that commercial look like a blockbuster movie. Awesome. So, like, it goes both ways. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's the there's the Coach K's, yeah, yeah. and then there's uh, the the Bobby Knights. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, and they both get results. And there's also, um, I've heard something, I think... Uh, I don't remember where it was, but they said there's also technical directors and more of a creative director as well, too. So mm-hmm. in that, there's also some people in between, but there, there's, there's two types of directors. Absolutely. Yeah. So I felt like by the time I decided I wanted to make my first like real, real thing, mm-hmm. like short film or yeah. something, I felt like I knew how to behave in a professional manner for okay. sure. Yeah. How to how to pace the filmmaking process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't know a lot about pre-production. Yeah, that's um, what everyone doesn't know. Yeah. That and sound is always a it's always a big thing for anyone's first film. Exactly. Actually, I was really good at sound naturally. I don't you know knew why. that already. Because I loved it. Yeah. I loved sound. Uh, and uh, I think uh, I, it was weird. Mm. I was making films on my own. Yeah. But I was also 
starting to branch out and starting, I started working. Mm -hmm. And in LA, it sounds weird, but I was like a Craigslist warrior. Okay. Which I think is a highly underrated. Like if you're a young man yeah, yeah. of a particular size yeah, yeah. and you, you're from a particular neighborhood, yeah. Craigslist is going to be as sketchy for you as anyone else. Yeah. But if you get caught or scammed, it's kind of on you. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's yeah, kind yeah. of the way I looked at it. I was like, I know this yeah. is a dangerous place for me to work, mm. but I want to see if I can sniff it out. And yeah, I want to yeah. see if I can f find the right people and make the right connections yeah. through this very interesting <clears throat> place. Yeah. And I did. I've worked hundreds of jobs yeah. around in the LA area mm -hmm. and the Inland Empire from Craigslist and made great relationships yeah. and went to festivals. Mm -hmm. So there was the Craigslist warrior version of me where yeah. I worked as an editor. Yeah. I worked as a uh, production sound. Mm -hmm. I worked as a cinematographer, director. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wrote. Okay. And just like I would, Craigslist was a shady place because I could also get paid more to not take credit for work I did. That's true. Yeah. Like there were these young kids who, whose parents just had a lot of money, but they wanted to be directors yeah. and you would just direct for them yeah. or shoot it off for them and then, let them say they did it. Yeah. They pay you a little oh, bit shit. more, which allowed me to go make my films. Yeah, yeah. So I did a lot of that. There's okay. a lot of work out there that I'll never get credit for. Um, but so between shadowing on all of these giant, giant yeah, sets, yeah. I'm talking 300, 400 extras some yeah. days, and then going to Craigslist and just... Warrioring it. Yeah, it was, it was literally yeah. like the hood of filmmaking. Well, you know you are a frame chaser, dude. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, like, and then working on my own and finding my own yeah. way and finding my own voice. I feel like I covered all of my bases and became mm -hmm. a very balanced filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. And savvy. Yeah. Like I learned how not to get scammed. Every, Especially like, on that Craigslist. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because I, I bought a red yeah. at a, in 2008 or nine. Holy right? shit. So what was that? A red? Uh, red one MX? Yeah, well, yeah, when it came yep. out. Yeah. Yep. I got I was going to think of the X in general, the Epic X or whatever. So yeah. imagine, imagine going on Craigslist. Someone wants a red. They're going to yeah. pay you $300 up front. Yeah. And you're just supposed to show up to an address with your camera and tools and lenses. Yeah. And like shoot their thing. Yeah. Every single time you drive to that location, it could be a bunch of guys with guns waiting for you. And they just baited you. Yeah. With 300 bucks to take your, you know, yeah. $30,000, $40,000 camera right yeah. out of your hands. And you had to develop a sense of how to sniff these things out. Yeah. You know, and, and I did, luckily. Mm -hmm. um, but were there keywords that you kind of like, all right, this is like. There was an to, eagerness sometimes. An eagerness? Okay. And it was just playing it safe. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, I learned how to say no, which I don't think a lot of actors and artists, are, you don't get a lot of opportunities to say no. Like, yeah. we're all too, like, with my acting class, one of the things I try to combat is that eagerness. Yeah. Actors tend to put themselves in positions where, oh my God, it's such a privilege for me to be here. No, yeah. it's not. You work to get here. Yeah. And you're the face of the project. Yeah. And you're bringing, you know what I mean? It's yeah, an honor yeah. to work with you. Yeah. So um, I think working on, off of Craigslist really yeah. taught me there is a time, to, you know, when to yeah. say no. Yeah. No is a really, really important thing to it say. Is. And it allowed me to prioritize yeah. my time too because – once you start to build up a reputation, work starts to come yeah. not and, from Craigslist, and you don't just have from to, and you don't have to do the Craigslist work. Absolutely. As much, yeah. So then there's that other mm -hmm. bracket. So you're you're acting, yeah, yeah. you're you're building up a reputation there, mm -hmm. you're working off Craigslist, yeah, yeah. and then your first film gets done. And yeah. Like you start to win awards, you start yeah. to get word of mouth through that. Work is coming from everywhere. And then you have to learn how how to prioritize your own projects mm -hmm. above 
financial game, yeah. which is the hardest for what, me. What was your first project that you did? The first I made a project called Fight Night Legacy. Okay, and it was about a, is that a boxing game. No, I'm kidding. yeah, it, it was it yeah. was it was inspired by that. Okay, so but uh, but I it was about a boxer who yeah. was a Golden Gloves champ mm-hmm. and essentially lost his mother okay. to cancer and quit. Mm-hmm. And started drinking and yeah. getting into local fights and ending up in jail. Mm-hmm. And five years later, deciding to come back home when he when he finds out that he has a tumor oh, inside shit, yeah. of him. And he's coming home to figure out if he essentially wants to do the treatment mm-hmm. or just kind of peace out on yeah, his yeah. own terms. And during that experience, he finds out that he still has a spark left when yeah. he comes back and his older cousin is now one of the top fighters yeah. in the world. And he just, his cousin knocks out his sparring partner. And yeah. here I am. Yeah. Hey, you still got something in the tank? Hop on in. Yeah. And he ends up getting in that, just showing that he's, that magic never goes away. Mm-hmm. And uh, right in front of a reporter and, yeah. the, 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 you know, his, his father, who is mm-hmm. now his cousin's trainer. Yeah. They see that he still has magic. And the whole show culminates with him being... Him having to decide on if he's going to try and get the treatment and maybe make a return to boxing or okay. not. Oh. So, and it did great. We we got nominated for a streaming award. Oh, wow. And by the way, the budget for that was under $1,000. Holy shit. That's all I put into it. Okay. And it was a two-man crew. It was yeah. me and uh, my friend Mike. Mm. And uh, we wrote it together. And I shot it. We mm. edited it together. We directed it together. Yeah. And that project took me... I got nominated for a streaming award. What's a streaming award? Streaming awards are kind of like the Oscars of web series. Oh, cool. Yeah, like they happen on VH1 every year now. Okay. Um, back oh, these then, sound familiar, actually. Yeah, yeah. the streamies are huge. Um, I was nominated in a couple categories, but like, what's her name? Lindsay Sterling? Lindsay Sterling was in one of the categories okay. that I was up against. That year, Brian Singer was nominated for a show called, I think, H+. There was... Okay. Huh. Interesting. Huh? There was a show called Bite Me by Machinima. Okay, um, I feel like I heard of that one. There was a lot Machinima of Machinima had a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. And um can't remember the other. But we got nominated for uh an IAWTV award. Yeah. We got to we won LA Web Fest, which mm-hmm. was the largest yeah. web festival in the world. And we won the we won um, a trip to Marseille Web Fest in okay. France. So I got to nice. go to France and wow. then we, we took runner up and I got to go to England. Like I just you got the travel. That project got to take took me all over the world. Yeah. Um, I licensed it to a company in France, mm-hmm. so I made money off of it. Very nice. Um, it showed me. It it definitely set me down a path where I felt like number one, that old adage: it doesn't yeah. matter what camera you shoot with or whatever. Yeah. It's all about story. It I is. found out that was true. That <laughs> is true. And uh, it also let me know that like I was one of those raw talents, like mm-hmm. my dad had idolized. Yeah. Like maybe I'm. Ha- it's happening in a very different time where the mm-hmm. market is saturated. But yeah. a storyteller is a storyteller. Yeah. And if you can, for under a thousand dollars, be mentioned in the same breath as shows that were made for five or six million dollars. Yeah. You did all right. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I followed it up with a show called Olympia, which okay. was a kids show. Okay. And that did well too. What What made you want to do a kids show? Uh, I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. All right, I'm just wondering. You know. No, yeah. I, it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> I don't like doing the same thing. Easy, like, easy answer. I, I, yeah, yeah. Easy. I think, yeah, I just love... Was that tough to do a kid's show? Was that like a, a challenge for you? 
it wasn't at first until yeah. I was making it, and then I was like, why the hell did I think I could do this? Would you ever do a kid's show again? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my passion for filmmaking yeah. happened when I was a kid. There's a part of me that will always be a little kid. Okay. That will always have that, like, fantasy yeah. aspect and that wonder. Yeah. And I think, I don't think, I don't think we ever really grow up. No, we never do. No. We're like, always Neverland. Yeah, like, I, I was... <laughs> For Thanksgiving, my my girlfriend's mom came into town, and I asked her straight to her face. I was like, "Are you just like a big kid, like stuck in a woman's body?" And she was like, "Absolutely." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "She was like, I'm not." She's like, "I've been stuck at like 22 my whole yeah. life." And I was like, "So have you just been kind of like pretending at parenting?" And she was like, "Absolutely." Yeah. She was like, "We're all just winging it." Yeah. And I knew it. Yeah. I'm still six. I'm, yeah, still, I'm still, still six. Yeah. I'm still just little, like that teenager. And yeah. I was wondering how everybody else was getting more mature. I don't want to be a teenager. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I had awkward phases, you know. Oh, we all have those awkward phases. But um, <laughs> just young, long hair, and you're like, I'm a rocker. And then you're like, no, I look oh. ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? <laughs> Write about it. Yeah. <laughs> Make that guy a character. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, he, like you said, there are elements. Fight night. Yeah, the lead character was very much me. Yeah, like I dabbled in mixed martial arts mm-hmm. for a little bit. I had a very angry phase in yeah, my yeah. life. I don't feel like I feel like I was supposed to be some sort of professional athlete, yeah. and I never followed. Well, yeah, you did gymnast. That. You were a gymnast. You were a football player, yeah. right? You said uh, I did a lot of stuff lot. Yeah. and was very capable at those. But I decided to move toward the arts, which yeah. sometimes made me feel like I was just wasting something a lot of people mm-hmm. would really be excited yeah. about, and. I struggled with that. Yeah. And it was cool to make a character who struggled with his own potential. Yeah. And like feeling like a failure at a very yeah. young age when his life had barely even begun. This industry will do that to you. I mean, it makes you think about yourself Absolutely. a lot. You have to be very like, take a step back and like think about shit too. Yeah. It, always, it happens a lot. I've Absolutely. Done that before, yeah. So Olympia was a project just to kind of feed my my side that really liked fantasy yeah, and yeah. to see if I could tell a different type of story and it did really well won a bunch of awards okay was that about like a Greek Olympia right it was about the descendants of of Greek gods okay so I was kind of in America right, cool. today so that's kind of where like the, like the gene gods, pool had right? been diluted so they're be... not all powerful okay but they're very they're discovering almost very X-Men esque okay but but definitely it's like the OC meets X-Men Okay, cool. So that's kind of what we were going for, and it mm. worked out really nice. And that was a uh, TV show, you said, right? TV pilot. TV yep. pilot, sorry, yes. Yep, we made, even Fight Night and mm. Olympia were TV pilots. Okay, we gotcha. made them between 22 and 30 minutes, mm. and wherever the commercial breaks landed, yeah. that's where we, what we would call an episode as a web series. Gotcha. We would play it straight through and call mm. it a short film, play it straight through, call it a TV pilot. Mm. So essentially, with one project, I could, it had been, designed from the beginning to be competed as three different things. Gotcha. Which gave me that much more range yep. to win awards and gain recognition. Yeah. Did so, you have like a show did you have a show bible and everything for those two absolutely. shows? Okay. Cool. Still do. Still do. Because I mean nice. projects look, yeah. that won a bunch of awards and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I haven't reached my potential yet. So yeah. until I do, that's a brand new show. Yeah. I can pitch that whenever I want. Yeah. And I and I see it that way, and I'm excited to do that. When yeah. that time comes, I know people. Well, I hope you do it. I hope you do it. Absolutely. Do it both of them. And the pilot yeah. just works as like a yeah. sample of like what the show would feel like. How many seasons do you have kind of planned out? If I ask, five. Okay, minimum for each one? five on each. Okay, yeah. cool. Because they always ask you for like yeah, what's yeah. your five yeah. season plan. So I just do that ahead of time. Smart man, I have I have a five season plan for something. There you go. So there you go. The <laughs> and after that, uh, I really. I wanted to make fan films. Okay. 
And that's when I made a show called Grace and Earth One, which was like mm. an Elseworld story of what would each Robin would be. What would what would Robin Grayson, uh, Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. be doing if Batman never adopted him? Okay, interesting. If Bruce Wayne saw his parents die yeah. and just left that day. Okay, and we pick up where that was in L.A. too. Still, that was in the Inland Empire. Okay, yeah, Riverside, California. Yeah. Okay, so all of these projects were made in Riverside, California. Okay, yeah. So, and we put that online. I made well, we, me, yeah, uh, you, yeah, me, <laughs> and uh, I started an internship program. Okay, with the University of California, Riverside, where mm-hmm. I had a lot of kids from that school. They they definitely helped yeah. with set design, but most of them I think were just shadowing me. Yeah, yeah. And what was great is all of those kids are still making films to the to this day. I nice. wrote a lot of letters of recommendation to mm-hmm. graduate programs. Yeah. And they got in off the strength of Grace and Earth One, which yeah. online I think it topped out at just under a million views. Because oh, wow. Machinima picked it up. Yeah, and, yeah. Um that version of it had like a couple hundred thousand views, mm-hmm. and then my version had a couple hundred thousand views, and then somebody else's version had a couple hundred yeah, yeah. thousand views. And then I made a follow up to it called uh, called Episode One Point Five. That was about Jason Todd, and okay. that's called um, the Boy, the Boy and the Bullet. So essentially, the show yeah. was going to cover all of the major mm-hmm. uh, Robins, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and and show where they would be without yeah, yeah. the guidance of Bruce Wayne and how eventually Mm -hmm. they would all be attracted to one another like a magnet despite their lives being in all sorts of disarray. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turned out really, really good. Again, that show hit a bunch of, uh, hundreds of thousands of views. It didn't go gangbusters or nothing, but it won me a lot of awards. It's still something, I mean, yeah. Yep, and just kept making TV pilot style things until my, and then I made a feature in Mm -hmm. 2016. Okay. And then I produced and shot another one in 2017. And then just this year... Oh, after that, here in, I moved to Vegas. I was going to ask what made you yep. move to Vegas, but a question, too, for yeah. you. When you were doing the fan films, did you watch, like, um, the Grayson fan film at all or uh, you know, any yes. Bat in the Sun stuff? Um, I, I love Bat in the Sun stuff. Yeah. That guy. Early stuff is great. All of their stuff is great. Yeah. If I'm, if I, I'm being – oh, go ahead. It's more, I think I – think, well, I've watched a lot of the earlier stuff from that, and I think the earlier stuff has more of a, um, a grittier, darker tone feel. Maybe it's just the love of uh, – that like you know, I think they're using gothic, like, yeah, gothic feel, and then like the newer stuff with their super battle team up battle thing is like more uh, spectacle, spectacle over a story. Yeah, um, I, I just how I feel that that's opinions. I think my when it comes to stuff being made by what I consider to be my peers, yeah, part of the appeal is the inspirational story behind oh, yeah. it. And with Bat in the Sun, Aaron and his dad make those things yeah. together, and his they're dad does phenomenal. all the music. They're still very indie to the core, yeah. and you got to respect the way they make it. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, there's Danny Shepard, who makes his stuff here in Vegas. Mm-hmm. He's inspirational, him and Jeremy Lee. Yeah. They're kind of the driving force. I've been lucky enough to work with those yeah, guys. Um, my friend uh, Colton, he did the sound on the first episode, the Foley and stuff like that, for the first uh, episode of uh, Nightwing. Yeah, yeah. It's a good show. It was it's a good, good show. show. And then uh, me and Alberto, we made yep. a fan film here. But fan films were, you know what's weird? It's just storytelling. Yeah. Except for me, I think my motivation to make fan films is I only make fan films that I, and I hate calling them fan films. I only make films based on preconceived or IPs, other Mm -hmm. people's IPs, when I know no one's going to make the idea I have. Yeah. So either I make it or I'll never see it. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I always do an Elseworlds story or I do mashups because I feel like Deep down, uh, 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 any fan-made thing should be made 
about something we're not about to see already. Yeah. You're your own comic book writer in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I like yeah. the, 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 the fighting thing that Aaron Shorka does yeah. with uh, Bat in the Sun and Danny Shepard do. Yeah. Because it's always things you'll never see. You can't yeah. see them hop across, yeah. you know, Marvel to DC that's or, true. Yeah, yeah. or, you know, Black Horse or any of those yeah. things. It's, it just, it'll never for happen. For me, it's too, um, like I said, spectacle. I like you like story. It, yeah, I like the story more. Yeah. You like story. And I mean, I get it. I yeah. get both sides of that. Yeah. So, but fan films are very, very appealing. They're very, and for me, they're very strategic still. Yeah. Um, like those other guys, it's even more strategic. Well, you gotta be strategic about those yeah. things. Yeah. But I've never, I mean, other than my time working with Danny, yeah, yeah. I've never made like just beat em up yeah, yeah. fan films. And even when I made those with Danny, they had more story. Yeah. yeah. Which I applaud those guys yeah. for because they were willing to bring a guy in who, made a show similar to mm-hmm. theirs, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and could have been considered a competitor. Yeah. But they, instead of, like, being assholes about it, yeah. they invited me over to play with them. Yeah. And it, I mean, <laughs> especially, like, that that world, you can't really compete yeah. in that. No. It's more about collaboration. Well, it should, it should be. be more about collaboration. It should and be. And even filmmaking is collaboration, Absolutely. really, over anything else than competition. But competition's healthy if it's a healthy competition. Like, Absolutely. you know, as a, you know, shit like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I ended up making Red Hood It yeah. last year year or so with uh with uh, Alberto Triano mm-hmm. who is one of Las Vegas's yeah. gems. Yeah, yeah. That dude is a filmmaker well, through. You're skipping out how'd you move to Vegas oh. and why'd you move to so Vegas? So I then? moved to Vegas. <laughs> I think I moved to Vegas in yeah. twenty seventeen. Okay. And uh Is that when you met did you meet Alberto before then or after then? I met him after. Okay. I met Alberto via Instagram. Okay. Cause you know, like minded people mm-hmm. yeah. just kind of find one another. He was uh, an owner operator mm-hmm. and, and like one of those guys who just made films by any yeah. means necessary here in Las Vegas. So why not? Like when someone takes stuff as seriously as you think you do, mm-hmm. you got to meet. Yeah. And when we met, he was, he was just very, number one, he wasn't intimidated by my personality, Yeah, which I think happens sometimes mm-hmm. um, because I can be a little intense. Yeah. I'm very, like, goal-oriented yeah, yeah. and driven. I actually met you before, by the way. Did you? Where'd you yeah. meet me? Diaz uh, checkmate thing. Uh, I just didn't want to blow up your spot, uh, but no, I didn't. There yeah. you go. There you go. So, like, but you see, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. very, like, intense yeah, yeah. and driven and uh, get t- I, tunnel vision. And, and I only met you for, like, a few hours, so it wasn't, like, Did a you? long time. Yeah, it was, like, a couple uh, hours, I think. And then, you know, I was only there for a day. Uh, so, like, it, and you were busy anyway. Which day? It was the day when we were at the theater. Yeah. That was a rough you were, day. Yeah, you were, you, were, you were very busy that day, so I understand it. Like, I'm like, yeah, no worries. We were on a, yeah, 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 we were on the clock. That was a very tough day. Did you yeah. wear the hat? I always wear a hat almost. You always wear that I, hat? Not this hat. I have. A, I usually change every hat every year, so I should get a new hat uh, probably soon. I used. To, I usually wear hats, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. now I'm growing one. Yeah. So. All right, good for you. I'm, I'm losing it, so I don't wear it. Uh... Gotta, gotta rock the buzz cut, man. Join know. the buzz cut. I've done the buzz cut. My hair looks worse. <laughs> Does so, it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, can you do the? Just do some sort of design, man. No, nah, I'm, I'm good. My, I, I got the bald, like <laughs> I got the receding hairline, like Bill Murray, and I got like the bald spot, like Larry Fine, going. Yo, Bill Murray makes <laughs> or the it Bernie, work. Or the Bernie Sanders uh, versus <laughs> the, like the Bernie Sanders. What's balding. wrong with Bernie Sanders? Not saying, I'm saying too. the balding, the balding. I'm not saying anything wrong with Bernie Sanders. I'm saying the bald. Not the Bernie Sanders, just dye it gray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I I moved to Vegas because. Yeah. Uh, I'd spent about 13 years in L.A. Yeah, yeah. Or around L.A. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and my girlfriend just, we weren't having any fun. Yeah. Like, we weren't having any fun. I was yeah. starting to write scripts. Because mm-hmm. I have so many scripts I've written. When yeah. I'm not making films, I just write. Yeah, yeah. Um, How many scripts have you written? 
to date, if I may ask, that you haven't filmed? Uh, it's, oh, that I haven't filmed? Yeah. Uh, I've only filmed about 16 of them. Okay. And I think there's over 50. Oh, wow. So there's nice over backlog. 50 pilots yeah, yeah. and features. Yeah, because, I mean, I've registered them all. Okay. And I know there's a stack that's mm-hmm. probably about 50 or 60 deep of just registered oh, wow. projects. So, and I have two features for sure that mm-hmm. I, I haven't produced. Yeah. Minimal. Yeah, two mm-hmm. minimum two. The rest are like pilots yeah. or shorts. And uh, I was starting to write a script about writing a script. Okay. Is that <laughs> like a, a movie within a movie? Yeah, I was going to make a movie about making movies. <laughs> okay. And then I was like, well, I have told every story my life is comprised of up until moving to L.A. And now my life is comprised of nothing but making movies. And I was like, this is some boring ass shit. Yeah. It's time to move to move out of here, <laughs> yeah. have some fun, and refill this cup. Now, were, was the hustle in LA, How was the hustle? Because it sounds like the hustle in L.A. was real for you in the sense of like, Again, you were the Craigslist warrior. You were the, you know, acting everywhere you can, basically getting a gig there in that regard, making your films and stuff like that, hustling your ass off. Now you moved to Vegas mm-hmm. and the hustle life. What was that like? Did you see a hustle like difference? You know what um, I mean? Not for me. Not for you. Um, because I still have my connections in LA and yeah, I'm yeah. still running back and mm-hmm. forth. Um, I also had jobs here because yeah, okay. I do I do photography. Yeah, yeah, I do a ton of food photography, car photography. Now I'm guessing that's how uh, the food photography is because of your friend's dad. Yes. I, now now I understand. It's killing the game yeah. here in Vegas. So I, I'm good when it comes to that. I don't really need yeah. it. I don't work so much as a freelance filmmaker mm. here anymore. Yeah. Which I feel good about because I feel like I've progressed to a point where. If I am using, if I'm using my skills as a cinematographer, yeah. I should make a significant amount of money to do yeah. it because I'm worth it. Yeah. As a director, same thing. As yeah. a writer, same thing. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I work most mostly here in Vegas mm. on film sets as a production sound mixer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and I love it because yeah. again, I'm low key shadowing everybody. Yeah. Like nobody, I hear everything. Yeah, you do. I hear everything. Yep, I hear everything. I'm always using way more mics than I should. And I I'm just gonna mic this over here. <laughs> no one's gonna know. <laughs> and and uh I I'm one of those guys that I learn yeah. just as much, if not more, mm-hmm. from watching people do things wrong. Okay. So I can and and don't get me wrong, it's not like I knew they were doing it wrong yeah. until I saw things fall apart. Yeah. Then I was like, ah, "Yeah, they're doing it wrong. Let's not do that." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I, you know, because you, you know, yeah. there, there's this old saying, and I say it to the actors in class all the time. You remember a little bit of what you hear, a mm-hmm. little bit more of what you see, but you mm-hmm. always remember how you felt. Yeah. And here in Las Vegas, I've been a part of more productions that have fallen apart than mm-hmm. any other place I've made films. Okay. At, in, well, in we'll get into that a little later. So we're gonna yeah. keep that on the back burner for now. But, okay. but yeah, because I'm gonna t- ask you about the film. Uh, community out here in general. Absolutely. I want to hear your, your opinions on that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. We're still on your journey. Yeah, the journey. Yeah, the journey uh, part. We moved to Vegas, yeah. me and my girlfriend, because we just needed a life outside of work. Understandable. We needed to build up some memories. And my girlfriend has been the happiest. We've been dating almost 14 years, I oh, think. congratulations. And she's been the happiest I've ever seen her since we moved to Vegas. That's awesome. And it was healthier for her. And her acting career is taking off. Oh, because good for her. She's not just working L.A. She's working mm-hmm. Vegas. She's working New Mexico. Yeah. She's working Arizona. You have a nice central hub. Absolutely. Always said that. I always like if I was doing shit, I always want this as my central hub. Yep. And then I can freely move around. Just, you know, a hundred buck plane ticket if Absolutely. I need to or like a four hour drive. And we lived in like a yeah. cubicle essentially. 
in the LA area yeah. and now here in Vegas for the same amount. We live in a much bigger, beautiful place. And yeah. The first thing my girlfriend did when we got here, she mm-hmm. did a cartwheel in the living room. <laughs> so like that just goes That's to show impressive. you. Yeah, like she did a cartwheel in the living room. She just dropped her stuff and did a cartwheel and then laid on the carpet. All right. Because, All right. You know, <laughs> we hadn't had that quality yeah, yeah. of life in like a decade. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> it mattered that much to us. How so, much room do you have? We, we can do a cartwheel. We got a decent amount <laughs> okay. of room. And uh we got a big windows, yeah, lots yeah. of light. So it's yeah. hard to be unhappy yeah. in the place where we live. In in Riverside in Riverside I had a dope place. We yeah. moved to Ontario for a minute. Oh man, the top place just kind of blocked all of our windows and yeah, we yeah. couldn't get any light and like there was always people doing dance parties above us, basically. Oh, jeez. Like, well, stomp the yard. If you want to feel a little bit better about yourself, yeah. uh, at Rutgers, when I went to college there, This the uh, the building that was for the art school and stuff like that, uh-huh. it was made by a guy who made prisons. Oh. So all the classrooms, all <laughs> the windows were, like, above. So, like, the light's just coming in, but you can't really see anything <laughs> outside. So you're like, oh, Jesus. Look, look at this window over here. So if you want to feel better oh, about yourself, man. maybe a little bit. Well, I've always kind of felt like schools were a little <laughs> yeah. prison-esque yeah, yeah. in, sense, in oh. a sense, because you got those hours, and then you, you go out yeah. to the yard, yeah. you're allowed to play, yeah. but if you go past the gate... But I was like, if you want to feel better about your whole window situation, <laughs> at least you had no light. I could see the light, but I couldn't see outside the windows. <laughs> I, got, I got beef with school. I got beef with school, because all schools are like prisons to me. But either way, anyway, anyway. So yeah, that's why we yeah. ended up moving, just for life for mm-hmm. me to... As a writer, feeling yeah. more stories yeah. and to I think happiness yeah. is a huge component in making films. Mm-hmm. Maybe it isn't for everyone, but it is for me, and I've been just so happy. That's good. So That's very good. So what was I mean? When did you get your first gig out here? What was your first gig out here then? My first major gig. See, the first major gig I got mm-hmm. while living in Vegas was actually back in LA. Okay. But it was it was being a cinematographer yeah. for. Uh, an, an ad campaign for Star Wars Rogue, Rogue One. Okay, wow. And that was um, a spot starring Donnie Yen. Oh, shit. And that was uh, for Disney, Okay, obviously. Yeah. And they, they paid a little more than my quote. It was yeah. very short notice because they had like a crew like Mutiny. Yeah. And they needed oh, shit. a guy who could That's do not good. multiple positions because yeah, yeah. they couldn't find, they didn't, like someone told them about me. Yeah. It was like, this dude could do three things. <laughs> At one time. <laughs> yep. And they were like, if he could do that, get him on the phone right yeah. now. And I went, and we killed it. That's awesome. Yep. So you're technically, if you think about it, you are in the Disney family. Agreed. And yeah. I love it. <laughs> and I think I'll be back. Yeah. I think I'm going to work my way up to actually doing some some really cool work for them one day. And well, I, I hope so, man. Connects. You know. Yep. And then I ended up doing a short film. Yeah. The, the producer of that spot, mm-hmm. uh, his daughter had a short film, and I went and dp that. Oh, nice. So, like, I was still running back and yeah, forth yeah. to L.A. all the time. A Vegas gig. What was the first Vegas gig then? Uh, what was the first? It might have been a Diaz okay. project. Oh, really? Because I wasn't actively seeking okay. work like that. I was just working freelance. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of video business profiles. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to be gigging here. Yeah, yeah. Not with my filmmaking Not skills. Not that it sound rude or yeah. anything, but you just didn't want to gig here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just... I, did did I you feel know. like something weird about the community? Like the... the, the no. No? no. You just... It was for focusing. Okay, okay. Because like, I, I had a feature I had already accepted. Okay. Well, I accepted it the month I got to Las Vegas. Okay. And uh, it was a feature film called Takeout Girl. Yeah. So I knew that I was going to be pre-proing that, yeah. writing that, scouting that. Yeah, yeah. 
and I didn't want to commit to another project that would distract me too much. I gotcha. needed jobs so I could do yeah. one day and get out, one yeah. day and get out, one day get out. Even with Star Wars Rogue One, that mm-hmm. was like a day. And got out. Yep. Yeah. Everything was mm. no more than three days, and I was out of yeah. there. So, oh, go back to Alberto, though. You met him on Instagram, you said, right? Yep. And then About and, three months into moving here. Okay, wow. So three months into moving, you met him, and then you guys just clicked. Yep. We met at Madhouse, mm-hmm. just talked about what our aspirations were, and I think... I don't really know why he connected with me, but for me, I think it was the fact that he was unintimidated yeah. by the level at which I wanted to succeed at filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't laugh in my face, which is yeah. great, and he didn't um, he didn't shy away from it either. Yeah. So right off the bat, just in terms of what we were trying to comp- accomplish, and mm-hmm. then there, there, Alberto has a real palpable sense of sincerity about him. Yeah. I knew I could trust him from the moment yeah. I met him. He just seems like one of the more honest and kind people, mm-hmm. which I need yeah, because, yeah. like, I'm not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I need someone. Yeah, yeah, I need someone around me to compliment. You know, to kind of remind yeah. me of like, of like, hey, you're working with humans. Be be a good person yeah. too. So, are you a good cop and he's a bad cop? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, he, he's definitely the good cop. Like, we talk about yeah. that all the time. Like he's Superman, I'd be Batman. Yeah. yeah. You ever see that? You ever hear that good uh, that that quote where like Batman's like, um, like deep down inside, you know, Superman will always be this because yeah, yeah. deep down inside, Clark is a good guy. Yeah. yeah. And deep down inside, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, yeah which is why Batman thing. will always like beat him. Yeah. <laughs> we joke like that all the time. <laughs> you know, everyone's weaknesses. You have actually like a profile on everyone you know, <laughs> like what their weakness is, how to beat them. You're, you basically have everything. Like you Doesn't have, everyone? Oh my goodness. Yeah, actually, I mean, sur- we can survey a scene right now. I'll tell you everything wrong. <laughs> like I have a back out, I have a contingency plan for this. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, but like, um, Bert's a really good dude. Yeah. He's, he's his his skill set is so balanced, mm-hmm. and um, he learns really really quickly. Yeah. So like the things that he's great at, I learn pretty quick. Yeah, the yeah. things that I'm great at, he learns really quick. And, and you guys play, bounce off each other too. And then we have each other to yeah. still do those things. He has he has his preferences too. Mm-hmm. Things he'd rather do, and those yeah. happen to be things where I'm like. I didn't really sign up for this part of filmmaking. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we all have those things. But my first big gig was probably working on a, a Dia short yeah. film, Checkmate. And that was fun. Yeah. I felt like I did a good job on it. And yeah. then we got some really good stuff done. And yeah. it was simple. What was it like being on a Vegas crew set? That, that was a good That was yeah. a good set. It was a good set? Because yeah. the people. It was. The people yeah. were great. Like. Uh, Adia is wonderful. Mm-hmm. She's fun to work with. Yeah. She's collaborative. Uh, she enjoyed whatever style I brought to yeah. it. Alberto's obviously dope. And yeah, I cut the, the whole DP. thing already. She, yeah. did, I cut. I cut it. You cut it. I cut it. Yeah. Oh, did I didn't know it? that. I saw part of it. it okay. Was dope. Yeah. I cut. I cut. Um. Yeah, I'm waiting for her fucking notes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not. She needs to get it done because I want her to submit to the well, HBO director's yeah. lab. I just like Warner Brothers. I've, she's like, oh, what's check me? I'm like, Adia. You still need to film scene six. Uh-huh. You still need to like do things, and but she's so busy. Yeah, I'm like, but then again, I don't want to be the person. I'm like, I'm a blaster right now. She's not, whenever this comes out, I'm <laughs> but a blaster. that was, I'm a blaster. but it was a good experience, yeah. though, was it not? It like, was no, it was, it was. But I'm saying I'm blasting her in the sense of like, if she wants to get her movie done, she needs to call me true. instead of me calling her. I agree. Get, so I mean, I agree. you got to get it done. I right? got, yeah, we got to get it done. But that's another cool thing about Vegas versus yeah. LA. Yeah, is like. 
you have to say that. Yeah. Like, you don't have overzealous people with yeah. projects that'll never pan out yeah. trying to make you put in yeah. things that aren't there. Yeah. Like, me being in Vegas, it really balances me out being around people who aren't over aggressive without really even having the product. Yeah. To, to, to accomplish those goals and whatnot. I, I think I would much rather have it be this, you know, like I don't mind giving people around me a little bit of a nudge, especially yeah. when I believe in them. Yeah. So maybe that's why Vegas feels like a good fit for mm-hmm. me is because I can, you know, I can give someone a nudge yeah. and also feel like I'm not being overbearing yeah. because they respond well to the nudge. Yeah. They're like, you're right, let's, let's kick some butt. Yeah. Um, L.A. is very... It's very opposite in the sense mm-hmm. where, like, you tend to work with a lot of people who have all the belief in themselves but haven't put in that 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't have the skill set mm-hmm. to really achieve what they're doing yet. They need yeah. to keep making more stuff. Yet they're still they're blaming everyone else for why their film isn't turning out great. Yeah. So if this was L.A., mm-hmm. Adia would be on the phone with you every day asking yeah. why you can't make scene six happen out of the scraps from another scene. Well, scene six is definitely something that she didn't shoot yet at all. So I can tell her that. Right <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. Yeah, and you would be able to tell yeah. people that in L.A., but yeah. for some reason they're just so deluded that yeah. they think they have more than what they want or you're just not doing your job. Scene six or... is supposed to be the guy walking to the, inside the house. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I'm like, um, there's no like, shot of that. Figure out a way to cut around it. Make it work. Use some it, B-roll. It, I mean, I, I could, but it just jumps to the next thing. That's <laughs> That's been my experience, yeah. you know? So I, I I don't know my next I think I worked with Danny Shepard and okay those guys yeah here yeah for you did while. that right you did um and and for the most part that was a cool well, wasn't ex- it part of that the, no no that it, was me and Burt's. okay wait, what was the other, I know you didn't you work with them on we something we did Joker v Joker together okay. and we did um, Megazord versus Voltron okay together I thought I saw one of those things yeah or maybe I maybe I was confused they with both that, yeah. with those guys their their stuff just goes gangbusters yeah man. they get millions. And yeah. millions of views, and I they're pretty incredible, yeah. You know, they're like Danny and Jeremy are good at what they do, mm-hmm. and for the most part, I was in and out, yeah. Like, uh, you know, we went through a couple drafts of the script for yeah. Joker v. Joker, um, but it definitely turned out being a, a solid collaboration mm-hmm. in terms of what was being said and whatnot. Yeah. There's a couple things I wish I could do differently, yeah. Like, you always do though, because you know, I'm visiting, yeah, and I wasn't as aggressive as I would like to be. Mm. Uh, that would have really made the film pan. Maybe yeah. just one major decision, but for the most part, I'm happy with the way it turned out. Yeah. And well, also you like you were saying you were in and out, like you're mm-hmm. saying, and then on top of that, too, you're working on pre-production for Takeout Girl, so that was probably a lot of your time. Where like I have to go and this and do yep. this and that. It just wasn't my like a lot of that stuff. I was clear. Yeah. Like I'm good at compartmentalizing. I yeah. know when something's my baby. I know mm. when it's not. I know when I'm not getting paid well enough yeah. to dedicate. Hours and hours yeah. and hours and hours to it. And it sounds terrible, but I also think it's a good that's a good skill to have is to yeah. know, you know, what's what's genuine what's gonna pay your bills, what's gonna pay your yeah. years bills five years from now. And I think that's one of my greatest skills as a filmmaker is being mm. able to balance several yeah. things. Like the acting class is such a life hack because yeah. it guarantees that I number one read through a massive amount of material on a weekly basis. Because How much material to, do you read on a, a massive amount of weekly basis? Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> for to to go through the material yeah. to find for the actors, um, it's a minimum. It's like a minimum of like maybe sixty, seventy pages. Oh wow, okay. And, and because you don't always find the right thing right off the yeah, bat, yeah, yeah. you have to read it and. Mm-hmm. and 
if you want it to be a two-person scene and the third yeah. person comes in on page eight, then all of a sudden it's a waste. Yeah. You set it aside for later. So I spend I spend a good part of Monday and a good part of Tuesday mm. essentially reading and selecting material yeah. for them. And also I have to read it. I can't just read it for fun. I have yeah. to read it critically. Yeah, yeah. I have to figure out how this is going to play in class, mm. what they're going to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And then on top of which I have to go on, because we do a lot of actual scene study, yeah. I bring in a television, we watch scenes, we talk about the mm. A storyline, the B storyline. Um, I have to go and pick scenes and think critically about that yeah, and yeah. develop a lesson plan. And then I direct. Yeah. I direct them in class. Yeah, yeah. And I'm getting pretty doggone good at it. Yeah. Like, it's a skill that's When growing. did you start that class? It's, and what's it called? Uh, it's called it, Acting with Directors okay. here in Las Vegas. And uh, we have pretty much a full class mm -hmm. we have for a while. Uh, everyone seems to be enjoying it. Yeah, I, yeah. I tend to only lose students because of a scheduling complex yeah, yeah. or because they're working, which yeah, is a yeah. good thing. And uh, the talent level is really, really high. I will yeah. say, from an acting standpoint, Vegas is a gold mine when it comes to talent. Really? Because yeah. I, I mean, well, again, we'll talk about this later. Mm -hmm. I have opinions on this, and mm -hmm. you know, we'll talk, and, and maybe you can change my mind about shit. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's awesome. And when did you start the class again? Because I don't think you mentioned about that. six or seven months. Well, officially, I started yeah. it well over a year ago. Okay. It was almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. But I wanted. Before I opened up the class for enrollment, I yeah. just wanted word to get around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I opened it up and made a trailer for the yeah, class yeah. that I released about a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. And about six to eight months ago, I can't even yeah. remember, that's when I started the class. Gotcha. And we've been kicking butt ever since. It's been really, really great. And what days are those, by the way? It's only one day a week. Mm -hmm. It's Tuesday nights, and mm -hmm. we go from 8.30 until... until. Oh, I've wow. Gone, sometimes they just they kill it, and we're mm -hmm. done by like midnight. Mm-hmm. Other times we're filming and we shoot until three in the morning, three oh, or wow. four in the morning. Holy moly. And, 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 and uh, huh? Holy, holy moly. Holy moly. Yeah. That, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, holy moly. <laughs> and that's what I say when I try to get up to do work the next day. <laughs> holy moly. It's probably something else, but <laughs> I know. Holy. Yeah, you can curse on this show. It's fine. You can fucking do whatever you want. <laughs> it is. Yeah, so the like next how, days are rough. How much prep time then hour-wise? Because you said you have to read 60 to 70 pages. How much uh, prep time does it take you to do? I mean, it's about, I would say about 10 hours of prep okay. a week. Okay. Um, because I don't read very fast. Yeah. And I don't think I want to. Yeah, no, understandable. Um, I don't think you can read fast to do be critical uh, about things. So you have to read, read things and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. like with a lot of it, you can't just find the scene. Like yeah. if you're pulling... Sometimes I'm pulling from plays, mm -hmm. so I'm getting my brain worked differently. Yeah. And I'm and in a weird way, I think I'm learning how to write plays because mm -hmm. I'm reading a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's monologues. Sometimes it's scenes, mm -hmm. two-person scenes yeah, yeah. by like authors you've never heard of. Sometimes it's scenes from movies we know yeah, very, yeah. very well. And you can't always just find the scene you're looking for. Sometimes yeah. you have to download the entire mm -hmm. script or... Sometimes, if I want it bad enough, I have mm. to find a transcript and then put the transcript into a screenwriting software and then rewrite it oh, wow. and redo the format myself. Yeah. It just really depends on how bad I, I want this particular student to work this, or yeah. students to work these muscles. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I, I put in the time and I put in the work. It's something I care about. And it's a life hack because yeah. it allows me to, to practice being a director, to mm -hmm. read. Yeah. Screen script screenplays mm. and scripts and plays every week, which yeah. I don't think a lot of directors get to do. Mm. Um, and it's making me better, yeah, because I worked from the text 
onward as mm-hmm. opposed to from the camera onward yeah. or from the lights onward or from the mics. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a really, really solid place to be yeah. telling your stories from. How much is it, if I may ask, too, so people who are listening the to this class go goes to eight weeks. Okay. And it, it starts at 8.30, mm-hmm. ends when it ends, one day a week, and it's 2.60 per session. Okay, cool. So, cool. yeah. And then, um, so you're doing that. Mm-hmm. And then ta- you're making takeout. Well, you're working on takeout girl. Yep. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, takeout girl. Yes. Um, that was a cool story. Um, I, I saw. It was, I read somewhere <laughs> it was based on a true story. It is slightly. Okay. It's, it's everything's all slightly. Yeah. But yes, um, takeout girl is the story of a uh, 21 year old mm-hmm. Asian American girl mm-hmm. whose family owns a uh, Chinese food restaurant. Okay. And not only is this young lady realizing she might be doomed to work in that restaurant for yeah. the rest of her life because she's in a low-income area. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one in the neighborhood does anything beyond yeah. what they're doing there. But she's watching her mother's health deteriorate mm-hmm. as a result of trying to maintain this restaurant yeah. on their own. Yeah, And she decides it's time to make a change, even mm-hmm. if it's a drastic change. And the film has been pretty much a giant chunk of who I am mm-hmm. for the past, since I moved to Vegas. Yeah. Um, I've been able to dive into so many cool themes, yeah. like themes of um, 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 nature versus nurture in terms mm. of uh, criminal intent. Yeah. You know, like growing up in Milwaukee, and here's where my life always pours into my into my art. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of criminals. Yeah. Uh, I grew up seeing my family member be, family members become criminals. Mm-hmm. So the idea, and now in this like, this post-Trump era. Yeah. Everybody really wants to look at people and say, you either are a good person, you're a bad person. Yeah. You're, you know, bad hombres. Yeah. This film allowed me to make a, a statement about that mm-hmm. and make people actually question yeah. the entire, their entire idea of criminality and why it happens. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever justified in taking a, um, a criminal path, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a lot of fun to do that. Yeah. I had to challenge myself to tell a story from a female perspective. Yeah. And I had a female co-writer and co-producer and my mm-hmm. lead actress, Hetty Wong. She actually came to me with the project. Okay. And um, Is she from L.A.? No, she's from the Bay Area. Okay. She lives in L.A. now, but she's from the Bay Area. Gotcha. How'd you connect with her? Uh, Lauren Lee, okay. who, is, uh, who plays Saren, the uh, older brother mm-hmm. in the film, he okay. had worked on a film with me many years ago, remembered me as that guy that could yeah. make, make films happen regardless mm-hmm. of the budget. Yeah. And he told her, you need to get a hold of this dude, mm-hmm. showed her some of my fan films, mm-hmm. some of the concept trailers I made, and she was like, I do want to meet him. Yeah. And we met, and I was just overall impressed with her. Mm-hmm. Um, Hedy Wong is, first and, first and foremost, one of the most hardworking and genuine people. Like, mm-hmm. when, when, you, when you do something, she wants to match it. Yeah. When you put out effort, she wants to match that yeah. effort. It's really hard to lose yeah, yeah. when you have a person doing that. Yeah. And that's another thing. One like, for one energy. Absolutely. Alberto's the mm-hmm. same way. And then we added MJ Del Rosario, a pr- yeah. producer here in okay. Las Vegas. She's the same way. Mm-hmm. And we just kept adding members to the team. But Hetty kind of started that dynamic with me. Yeah. And um, she was so adamant about making a film where the lead characters were Chinese American, mm-hmm. but the film wasn't just for Chinese Americans. Yeah, and she was like, you know, and and it was crazy. She took me out to eat mm-hmm. the first day we met, and she's from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. 
and she's from a rough area in the mm-hmm. Bay. It's loose, the film is loosely based upon her life. Mm. And she has this swagger yeah. about her that, like, I couldn't quite place it. Mm-hmm. Like, because number one, she looks like a supermodel to me. She's beautiful. Yeah. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. But she's, she's got this demeanor that says, don't, don't fuck with me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, okay, when is this five foot one <laughs> supermodel going to stop acting like uh, Ice Cube? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, when is she going to drop this shit? Yeah. But the longer we hung out, I was like, that's just her. Yeah. And then it hit me. Even before I saw the script, I was like, I can make a movie about her. Mm-hmm. Because if she's this interesting, if she's the sort of person I could think yeah. about and be perplexed with, mm-hmm. but still interested yeah, enough yeah. in to continue this conversation, I can make a film about her and she will affect the audience the same way she affected Definitely. me. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So we moved ahead. She gave me her draft of the script. Mm-hmm. I rewrote it because okay. there just wasn't enough of her in that draft. Oh, really? And then I infused some elements of my life, mm-hmm. and then I did some detective work in her life. Yeah. Um, I met up with her mother mm-hmm. and got to ask some questions. Oh, wow. And, they uh, went really deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I asked her questions about her draft, why she made certain choices, and then she revealed things. And mm-hmm. that went in. She would reveal things about family dynamics. Yeah, yeah. And then I knew exactly what I needed to do with my draft. Yeah. And I'd tell her about it, and she would get so pumped. So I was putting my fingers on the mm-hmm. keys and calling her almost yeah. every day to let her know and letting her read the pages yeah. and then give me feedback. And that's how we proceeded. How long did that take you to write the script then? The first draft was done in a month. Okay. But I, I tend to, again, I'm one of those filmmakers that hit, hits everything from different angles. Yeah. Because I'm, I don't have family in the business. Yeah. I have to overcompensate. And I hate to say it, being yeah. black, I have to, I'm running this race from 50 yards behind the 100. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, understandable. Yeah, and I have to, I have to hit it from every angle. So, yeah, I write a script mm-hmm. and I proof it and whatnot. But yeah. then I also compete the script. And what, in the sense of uh, how so? I literally submit the script into uh, uh, various competitions. Oh, we that's submitted smart. the script into yeah. the Blue Cat. Okay, we submitted it for coverage, mm-hmm. and we submitted it. We put it on the blacklist. Yeah. And I submitted it to Austin, you know, all the yeah, major yeah. screenwriting competitions while also still refining it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd let it sit for a minute, but we got like a 98% draft done in like three months. Mm-hmm. And we became either finalist or semi-finalist yeah. at the Blue Cat. So question then for you, if you're submitting the script into these festivals, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're still refining your script. Mm-hmm. Now, if that script wins awards, if, if the way it was written, mm-hmm. do you take that script and go, okay, then we won. Let's use that script instead of the one I'm refining? Or do you still work on the refinements? No. How so? Um, the short answer is no. Yeah. I submit it. I submit things just to see if I'm moving oh, okay. in the right direction. Gotcha. Okay. But I don't let them be the definitive measure under which I make a movie. Gotcha. Because I always knew I was going to make this movie. Yeah. Um, I was just curious. Yeah, no. Yeah. The, the question makes absolute sense yeah. because you're like, why would you do that? Then? Yeah. Number one, you have very few moments as an indie filmmaker where you get confirmation that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Or you get any praise whatsoever. Yeah. You work in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And um, this is competing your script, number one, it allows you to kind of get opinions from outside of that little tunnel you're yeah. in. Mm-hmm. And I needed that. Understandable. Uh, and I was lucky enough that they were pretty positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't let them make my movie for me. Uh-uh. And the script, again, is like the Bible. Yeah. So 
I just kept writing based on things that I genuinely felt were incomplete. Okay. You know, like, or things that bothered me or jagged edges in terms yeah, yeah. of the pacing and tempo. Yeah. And um, I think the biggest risk we took, I took as a writer with mm. this screenplay, me and Hetty, were we paced the film out where, like, the main character takes uh, essentially three months to to get everything she wants and one day to lose it all. Yeah. And um, that's an interesting pacing for a film yeah. because it's going to feel a little fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, at certain points. time jumps and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, there's there's definitely, like, I think there's a montage in mm. there, but it's a fluid, fluid, solid yeah. pace for the build and the ascent. Yeah. And then a really rapid pace for the fall. Yeah. And we did that on purpose because mm. things like that, you know, it always feels like bad stuff happens out of nowhere. Yeah. And fast. Oh, and, yes. And when it rains, it pours. That is true. Well, there are some showers, but that's a whole different yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, um, so Takeout Girl was, it was a project that tested me to my core. I mean, yeah. it's an indie. Yeah. It's a no budget film. When you, when you mean no budget, and I had to look up the term no budget, that doesn't mean zero dollars. That means up to a certain amount of money. Truth. So, in no budget, did you, what was the, was there a cost? To, to me, it's a no budget if the, the money you would have earned if you were paid for doing the work you did okay. exceeds the amount of money, the amount of liquid like cash you put into the film by okay. at least two times. So you put in two times. Oh, so the, let me see if I get this example or what you're saying right. If you put like, if you paid $4,000, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, if it was $4,000 to make, if you mm-hmm. doubled that, then it's no budget film. And just sweat equity? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like if, you're, if your sweat equity yeah. dwarfs the actual cash budget of the yeah. film, it's a no budget film. Okay. In my opinion. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, no, I, no, I get where you're coming from because I was like, so curious when you told me that it's no budget. I'm like, well, no, it has to be a budget because mo- like, this motherfucker has like an Alexa. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, again, <laughs> yeah. fi- uh, like my filmmaking endeavors in yeah. LA, uh, actually, the Alexa <laughs> came as the, re- as the result of yeah. uh, a grassroots Kickstarter campaign. Okay. I went around and I had family members, friends, even mm. my ex-girlfriends all contributed a little bit of money so that I can buy an Alexa. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, and I took out a loan too. Yeah, so like that was my camera before I ever did Takeout Girl. Okay, but I knew I was gonna make movies. Yeah. I knew I wanted the best quality in a smaller format. Did you sell your red because of that Alexa? No. Oh, you sell your red? I still own both. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're all just different tools. Yeah, yeah, not understandable. You know, they're all just yeah. different tools. But yeah, I shot it with the Alexa. Yeah, uh, we shot multicam on the Alexa because yeah, yeah. I saw those behind. Well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bird owns one as well. And then where did you, where did you guys accruing like gear? Because it took you how long did it take you to shoot the whole thing? Uh. We shot 15 days with a small crew. How, how small is a small crew? Less than seven people. Okay. I think it was seven. It's a micro crew. Day. Yeah, that's a <laughs> micro crew. And then we shot, me and Bert shot 25 more days by ourselves. Oh, wow. So it was just me and Bert. Yeah, yeah. All the other days. And, 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 and MJ. MJ yeah. was a scripty. She was there a lot of those mm-hmm. days, and she was helping out with stuff, getting water and things yeah. of that nature. And just generally producing the film mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, making sure all the releases yeah. were signed. All that good stuff. Making sure I, wh- I wasn't going to pass out because yeah. I do that hoverboard gimbal co- <laughs> oh, yeah, combination. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, um, did you have permits? Did you have the... I insurance did. and all that stuff because I, yeah. I did do I do an annual insurance plan. Okay, so I keep insurance all year long. I make gotcha. films too often not yeah. to, 
And, uh, you know, and I own a lot of equipment, so yeah. I want that covered. Yeah. But, yeah, um, we had permits. Yeah. I, I mean, one of my hobbies is location scouting. Yeah. I see, I see, I do see that on Facebook. Like, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty location. I love scouting yeah. locations. I just love, I, th- I love knowing my city mm-hmm. and finding gyms. I love low-key yeah. knowing whatever city I'm in better it, than the film commission you know does. It was a good. You know it was a good uh, spot before they put the Raiders up there? If you go off the 15 at Russell, mm-hmm. and then there's that little inlet mm-hmm. where the, like, you can just put our car, it had a beautiful sight of the strip. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. I, I have it. Yeah. I mean, I'm still exploring. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I mean, I feel like I got Summerlin covered in yeah. a really big way. The the new area where the Southern Command one's pretty empty with that like they're building a lot of things over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being the news, you go to a lot of places. So I kind of mm. remember certain areas. If anything, I'm like, oh, that's interesting and shit like that. I always get as far away from the strip as possible. Yeah, because it makes it easier to shoot. You know, that's that's a uh, that's that story. Because like, <laughs> I I mean, we'll get, like I said, I'll, we'll get into this whole film community thing and mm-hmm. how I think we can get to the next level and stuff like that. Maybe we'll agree, we'll disagree. It's all opinions. Absolutely. But um. So takeout girl still. Mm-hmm. So it took you 15 days with a small crew, mm-hmm. micro crew we'll call it, and, and then 25, 25 more days so just me and Alberto. I can't do math. That's about 40. 40. Thank you. I cannot, so 40 days. Wow, that's pretty uh, pretty intense. good. Intense. Did you guys like um, did you get intense on script uh, on on set at all? Mm. <sighs> you know there has to be days. things went wrong. Yeah, yeah. but. Murphy's Law. Things went wrong. Yeah. Like, we shot during the summer, too, here in Vegas. Oh, boy. But considering we did that, no. Because uh, everybody... I, that's the thing. Like, I had a very loving and supportive crew. Yeah. Like, there were things that happened where I should have lost my head. Yeah. And I didn't because my crew were dope. Yeah, they were that's dope. good. There were no arguments I meant or shooting fights. In the, shooting in the summer was just... Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone listened to each other. Yeah, We knocked good. out what we needed to mm-hmm. knock out. We had an actor that we hired for the film mm-hmm. who came on board yeah. and uh, for whatever reason demanded yeah. his money up front. Okay. And we paid him. We, we took care <laughs> of him. We paid him because we trusted yeah, yeah. him. And he just didn't show up to set. That's some of a bitch. Just didn't show up to set, took the money, still hasn't given it back. Wow. That was a hard day for me personally. yeah, yeah. But it had nothing to do with like anything that was actually happening. Yeah. On Hopefully, set. that wasn't the first day because no, that's it was. Good. It was like I think it was like four or five days in. Okay, and we just adjusted the schedule yeah. and like shot everything else mm-hmm. as well as we could and yeah. used the time really wisely and we killed it, man. It yeah, was yeah. like we really did make good use of the time. Yeah, yeah. So we a lot of crew, night shots or morning, like you know, it was all it was pretty all, even. Pretty it's even. pretty even, yeah. We did yeah. a lot of nighttime exteriors, nighttime interiors. Did you do any day for night stuff? No. Oh, that's good. I, <laughs> I think that I, I can't. I can't. That'd be tough here in Vegas because the yeah. sunlight is just so direct. I know. Try shooting at eleven o'clock on a midday show with a reporter. Oof. Yeah, yeah. That is rough. <laughs> it is rough. It is really <laughs> rough. I hate. It's funny because like working the four to you know four to seven show, and we're shooting in the morning. The worst is when the sun's coming up now in like certain times at six thirty, and we're having a six thirty live shot, and I'm like, "Oh, don't make it six thirty six! Don't make it six thirty six! It's gonna get worse." And I'm like, "The sun's peeking up," and I'm like, "Oh no, there's really good light until oh no!" I'm like nervous. chasing the sun, man. Yeah, dude, oh. chasing the frame. Yeah, hey. but the thing is, sometimes you can't like move the, the reporter because mm-hmm. the scene's right there, mm-hmm. and the sun's coming up right behind you, and you're like, "Well, the light works right now," and I'm like. Please, please let it be Italy. Please let it be Italy. Please, please, please tell us to go live. Please tell us to go live. I'm like waiting. Yeah. But I, yeah, man, we we were a really harmonious crew. 
Like, yeah. and we still are. Yeah. Like, we hang out. We kicked it. Yeah. We had days off from yeah. shooting, and we would crowd at my house and, and watch movies. Okay. No, just watch movies. What movies were you watching for inspiration for this film? Like, what did, was uh, there anything uh, inspiration? Yeah, we watched Patty Cakes. Okay, never heard of is, it. You never heard of it? No. You should. It's an okay. amazing film by by a filmmaker named Jeremy Jasper. Who okay, got into Sundance in 2018. Uh, it was a Sundance Lab film. Okay, so you know, I don't know what that means about it legitimately getting yeah, into yeah. Sundance. I don't know if it would have done everything it did if it wasn't a, mm-hmm. a film essentially produced by Sundance. Yeah. But it didn't really matter to me. It it resonated with me. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, we watched we watched that. We watched I can't remember the name of the film because it was a French film. Yeah. We watched. Um, I watched a lot of this Indian film called Dangal, and okay. I think it translates to wrestle. Okay. And it was about the first Indian woman to win a medal in international competition for wrestling. Oh and wow! How she set off like. A domino effect of yeah. amazing female wrestlers coming out of oh, shit. Uh, coming out of uh, India, and yeah. how her father should have been like a world champion wrestler, but his family was too poor for him to continue oh, wow. to wrestle. And how he 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 made it his life's goal to turn his son into the champion wrestler. Yeah, and he only had girls. Oh, <laughs> and then his girls kicked the crap out of a boy in town and he was like oh my god i can still do it (laughs) (laughs) so it was like they literally they literally were brought home for like now how did you find those songs how did you find those movies yeah those movies yeah yeah where'd you go for those i seek them out yeah i I, like i'm one of those dudes who when everybody else goes right i go left i really want to do my own thing so i think my taste in movies is the same Mm -hmm. um i go i really love finding movies that I know everyone will love, yeah. But the media is just not giving it the love it deserves. Okay. Like I think uh, my friend Dahmer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, you I ever heard see that? that? I didn't see. It. I, I've, it's I've seen the trailer. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that one deserved a lot more attention than it got. Mm-hmm. I watched that on, on the way up. That that's a memorable film. While I was mm-hmm. making Takeout Girl, even this year, uh, Richard Jewell. Mm-hmm. Richard Jewell is an amazing film. Oh, I didn't no see that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone should. Yeah. It, if you like Joker, you're essentially watching the anti-Joker film when you yeah. watch Richard Jewell. Well, I was just watching Taxi Driver. I feel like when I watch Joker. Um, you know, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. both. I mean, so. <laughs> King of Comedy is pretty incredible. Yeah. So even uh, I felt that uh, I, I started watching. Um, what's the other one with Scorsese? Uh, with Scorsese, De Niro, and Keitel. Oh my God, I'm blanking out on the film. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, good, King, good film? Mean Streets. Mean Streets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mean Streets. It remind, I don't know why it kind of reminded me of a little bit of Mean Streets too. Joker. A little um, bit of that. I, I haven't. I can't remember Mean Streets. I'm pretty sure I did see it, but um, Taxi Driver. Not a fan of it, or you just don't think it? Joker? I don't think Joker resembles it as much as. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you take away the the idea, I think of Taxi Drivers there. Because it's like yeah, this guy who breaks, right? Well, Taxi Driver doesn't have a monopoly on every time a guy writes in a journal and yeah. talks to himself with a gun in his hand. Yeah. You know, or vigilante. Yeah. But that's not even a thing. But even if you take away, like, the whole Gotham City and Thomas Wayne thing and you just have a generic guy, I feel like that's, like, the revenge part of it and shit like that, Taxi Driver, and that the stylistic approach, I think. Of I don't even think Taxi Driver was the first film like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm certain that because there's no, there are no original stories. Oh, you know what true. I mean? You no, know, like, you're right. Yeah. So I, th- I think there's just, I think it's a successful film that we all kind of draw yeah. parallels with uh, inevitably. But yeah. I think it was done 
I think it was done significantly different. I love the cinematography in that film. Cinematography and yeah. the performance yeah. in and of itself. I'm sorry. I love I love De Niro. His mm-hmm. Travis Travis Bickle is dope, but yeah. Joaquin Phoenix did his own thing. Yeah, yeah. In every scene and like even the scenes where I definitely saw direct parallels, the performance is just so drastically yeah. different and of a higher quality yeah. in my opinion. Okay. And I hate saying it like that, but like it's just different. Yeah. It's just way, okay. way different. Even King of Comedy, I like that film more than I like Taxi Driver. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm in the minority in, the, in that it's okay. sense. But like, <laughs> but uh, I say, I even saw more parallels with King of Comedy yeah. than in Joker than, mm. than Taxi Driver because of the obvious things yeah, if yeah. you haven't seen it. You know what I mean? The, the comedian. The mind games. Yeah. And yeah. The comedian. And, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. The, the talk show. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all of that is much more strong to me. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like at all yeah. the same movie. Like, I don't gotcha. watch King of Comedy nearly as much as I've seen Joker. Well, that's true. So, I mean, I'm, I know I bought Joker. I haven't still watched it yet. I've seen it in the theater, but I never saw it. I haven't watched and opened in my package yet of the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Richard Jewell is essentially... The anti-Joker? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's essentially everywhere Joaquin Phoenix took a right, mm-hmm. Richard Jewell took a left. Left. Okay. And it's kind of dope. Yeah, it's yeah. dope. I'm surprised that wasn't that a best picture movie. It's, it's not on the best pictures. Well, it's, usually it's not a, a good year for white guys. Yeah, it's also not a good year for Clint Eastwood <laughs> yeah. either. It's not good. Well, yeah, he's been, he's been kind of. It's not a good year yeah. for white guys in the media. Like that's why Joker was hammered by the media in the way it is. I think the media took that over. Oh, like there's so many other movies that that happen that are bad or just as bad as mm-hmm. that movie, and you're 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 specifically going against. Like, the grain, I yeah, think, not that. We make characters like Richard Jewell. Yeah. It's funny because the film is literally about like depicting yeah. people in inaccurate ways based on what other people like them did. Yeah. yeah. And here we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Kind of doing yeah. it the same. And like people aren't seeing that movie because it's about a dude no one wants to face is like a clear part of the society and yeah. makes us uncomfortable. Uh, we need to watch those movies. Yeah, <laughs> Bombshell was dope. Bomb- I didn't see Bombshell either. Bombshell was yeah. dope. Okay, has one of the more uncomfortable scenes of a movie I saw in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like it made me empathize with women in a way. It made me feel like, damn, that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's worth it for. I should for watch just that. I should alone. watch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bombshell's a, dope. But I watched. Well, I just saw Birds of Prey. But I, that was that, Oof, was, that I, was a rough one. That was a rough one, actually. A lot more, a lot more lows and highs. I think. Um, there's some parts that made me feel actually uncomfortable in that watching that. Um, you saw it, right? I'm guessing. It. I oh, did. I'm oh, just making sure. I don't want like. I, just, I don't want to spoil it. For, I mean, it might be out by t- it's gonna be out and over by the time this podcast is out. I, but I went still. to the bathroom just to play on my phone. You know what? Oh wow! I was I was really bored. I I was bored. I think the and the, I saw it 40x, so I ooh, shouldn't have been bored. You shouldn't have been bored. Also, too, I think the thing that really stood out for me was Huntress. I liked her a lot. No, you didn't like her. No, because she's nothing like. The comic book. Well, it was better than the Green Arrow Arrow uh, Huntress. That's I thought true. I didn't see her on that show. Oh, okay, it's in the first season. Um, but, but she's not as badass as she is in the comics. Yeah, at all. they made her like very. They made her really well, emo. This is this is the thing too about the movie. It's called the Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of the One. Har- uh, you know, Fantabulous yeah. Emancipation of Harley Quinn. It should be the opposite way around. It should be called the Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey because the Birds of Prey are. Barely in this movie, yeah. and Harley Quinn takes a good like seventy five percent of the movie up. Yep, and all the contrived ways that yeah. they made it about Harley at the end. Yeah, all the stupid decisions to make it so Harley could save the day were yeah. just like 
I thought it, the I thought the amusement mile scene was good. From what I from you know, it's better than Suicide Squad. I'll give it that. The action was cool, but at the same time, really unbelievable. Well, yeah, it's a hot comic book movie, though. I mean, she broke the fourth wall, so you have to understand the you have to yeah think outside the box for this one. I mean, all of the scenes where she had a weapon, mm-hmm. where she had a gun, I was cool. But when yeah. she was fighting dudes hand to hand, yeah, no, like no. we got to stop that. <laughs> we got to stop that in cinema. Like, Why is that? Because the way it's the way it's shot or the no, physics? like women ain't. Margot Robbie throwing around dudes my size. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, physics don't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, you would... A woman Margot Robbie's size could legitimately hurt herself trying to... F- like, even if she did get a, a position of um, leverage, yeah, yeah, she could still hurt herself just yanking my body weight around. True. You know what I mean? Like, we have to start finding a more logical way of having mm. women fight men hand to hand on screen. Yeah. And and you know what I mean? Like logically. Yeah. Well I mean it's also a comic book movie. So there's a lot they do it in more than comic book movies though. Oh uh, well I'm it's a trope off, I'm going off the tro- comic yeah. book like just that idea of the co- seeing a comic book and seeing like Harley Quinn throw someone in the comics, you'd see that in a movie I feel like. But if you're watching like Atomic Blonde or something like that, I think that's more realistic. I think it's I think right? Well, here's another thing. Okay. Like, all right, if you think about the comic books, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of insinuated that this character is like that. All of these characters are super. Mm-hmm. You know, they're superheroes and they're yeah. super villains. Yeah, but yeah. In, on the big screen, they never address what makes these people super. Super. That's true. If they did that, if they if they were like, oh, she she took a pill, or yeah. oh, that chemical that made yeah. her stronger, then it's then it's Man, that makes sense. But they don't. Yeah, they yeah. treat it like she's a normal girl and she's just crazy. Because we need grounded. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like you can't do both. Yeah. So you know, even in the comics, like it's assumed, and even in the video game, yeah, Injustice, yeah. they all took that Superman pill. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, all of this can happen when you have even a quarter of the strength and durability of yeah. like Superman. True. So like, I, I'm okay with it under that circumstances. I'm just not when you. Make, okay, you know, because even the yeah. fighting, it it isn't that hyper realistic. Mm-hmm. She's just that good. Yeah. How? Yeah. You know how? And and I think I'm upset with that as a whole because mm-hmm. Atomic Blonde should have been amazing. Yeah. But it's a whole lot of a really little person being up a lot of really big people who are also supposedly trained and amazing at what they do and. Mm-hmm. Like James Bond has more of a fight with his random yeah. goons than than Charlize Theron does and Harley Quinn does. Yeah, which I think is kind of insane. Like we could slow down a little bit or f- like find a more intelligent way to do it. Yeah. Like cinema has evolved. Like yeah, like give this woman cooler weapons or pressure point. I techniques. did like. Did you like the bat part when they're in the the when she did the cocaine? The I love the story. I yeah. love the, the 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 I loved the way they grounded Harley. Yeah. In her Harley isms. Yeah. Like, but I also don't even. No, I take that back. Okay. Because no. she doesn't even feel like Harley Quinn. Yeah. Like whatever happened to the the accent? She's yeah. doing something different. 
Yeah. Like, way different. Like, Harley Quinn didn't sound like that on the animated series. or Well, I mean, you can't get as close as that. I mean, Bruce Wayne doesn't sound the same, though, as the animated series as Bruce Wayne in... But, but they should get closer. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, Kevin Conroy would be great as Batman, but you can't really see him as No, nah, I mean, I don't I even mean, need Kevin Conroy. You just well, need... I mean, I like the Batman when they change their voice, and they have a different voice for Bruce Wayne, and they have a different voice for but Batman. But the accent? Yeah. The Arlene Sorkin accent? Yeah, yeah. Like, what... I didn't hear that with... With Margot Robbie, it was I just gotta, like I this general yeah. New York ish yeah. thing. I hate when she says, "You know what a Holly Quinn is." I'm yeah. like, "Oh, I don't like." Yeah, no, no it just a, didn't work. Like, doesn't work. Like, you know, <laughs> Hollywood needs to grow some balls and start using talent that yeah. we haven't seen before. For one thing, because yeah. there are thousands of Harley Quinn cosplayers. There's a Harley Quinn cosplayer here in Las Vegas that mm-hmm. would blow Margot Robbie away. Really, like. Seven days out of seven. Yeah, her yeah. name is Charlie Quinn. Charlie? Charlie Starling. Okay. And she looks like her. She sounds like her. Mm-hmm. She moves like her. She yeah. has the build. And, like, that girl lives a Harley Quinn life. Interesting. <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, and I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah, She's yeah. that good. She mm-hmm. sounds like her. Like, so, like, it ain't hard. Yeah, yeah. It's just you narrowed it down to this woman yeah, when yeah. Harley Quinn alone is enough to bring in your audience. Yeah. It's, it's kind of frustrating to me. Like... Mm. I'm not going to go see the film because of Margot Robbie. I'm going yeah. to go see the film because of Harley Quinn. Yeah. And if you miss on that, then you've missed the movie. Mm. Anywho. And how do you feel about Henry Cavill? Superman. I, I think he got screwed. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. <laughs> I think I think I think that I think dude, ben, ben Affleck got screwed too. That's yeah. Well no, I think Ben Affleck screwed it up. But uh Well, I think what happened was I think the screw well the Ben Affleck I think Ben Affleck got screwed because the Dawn of Justice got screwed. Because no. No, I think Ben Affleck. Okay, Ben Affleck is the same as Margot Robbie. Okay, like it's forcing a star into a role they don't belong in. I don't know. I think he was a perfect Batman. If you personally, well, how are you going to see him as a perfect Batman but a shitty Daredevil? Because he grew up. First of all, oh, he grew up. Daredevil. Daredevil (laughs) is not a good movie. Actually, the director's cut's better than the actual regular cut of Daredevil. Now, hold on a second, though. You're telling me you don't remember Daredevil no, anymore? No, I have or? Daredevil. I own Daredevil. So why should you be associating Daredevil in any way, shape, or form then, with Batman? Let me Batman? ask you this, then. Why would you... Well, are you I'm not associating you. You're associating with it. Everyone is. <laughs> I'm not... No, I, I take... You know, I don't associate Chris Evans with Johnny Storm. I associate with him Captain America. I do. You do... I wish that didn't happen. Yeah. I, I mean, well, like, I wish Ben Affleck didn't happen with Daredevil, but at the same time, yes. yeah. Like, okay. Like, do you kind of uh, get what I'm I saying? I get what you're saying, yeah. Like, we shouldn't have... As yeah. fans shouldn't have to make that compromise. Yeah. There are too many wonderfully yeah. talented and good looking. Well, how do you feel people. about Robert Patterson as Batman then? I don't. You don't? I don't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think of a little Batman out yeah. because they're diluting the power of the role by mm-hmm. giving it to too many people too fast. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's, DC doesn't have a plan, I think. That's clear. Yeah. But so. I mean, they, they also don't seem to know that there's more than five different types of white guys to, yeah. to cast as Bruce Wayne out here. Mm. Like, you know, like they need to make really drastic decisions. Mm. And they also need to look pretty soon. All of your stars are going to start dying. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like it's like uh, sadly, it's sad to say it, but it's like World War Two veterans yeah. when they always like congratulate World War Two veterans at NFL Super Bowls. What about the Vietnam veterans? Let's like, see them. Let's can, see that. You're telling me there's no fresh faces that could play Batman? Because you know why? Hollywood's scared. Yeah, yeah. that's where like we started. Yeah, they're terrified. And I think casting Ben Affleck yeah. as Batman, I think uh, uh, 
Scott Atkins would have been a better Batman. Scott Atkins. Because he has a clean background. He mm-hmm. actually, it would have forced you to make a more martial yeah. arts based Batman. Have you seen uh, Titans, by the way? No, I haven't. I won't uh, pay for that. <laughs> no, understandable. But um, there's a clip, actually, of the dude who played on Game of Thrones, who's Bruce Wayne in Titans in season two. Oh. And there's a really smooth, he plays Bruce Wayne. I said Bruce Wayne. Yeah, uh, he has a really clean fight scene with the dude who plays Nightwing. Whoa. And my God, I was like, oh, now this is what the Batman I want to see the fighting wise. I mean, I like Zack Snyder's use of like actually seeing Batman fight for mm-hmm. once, how Ben Affleck was fighting and like had that Arkham style you know, fight. The Titans stunt yeah. team are, I think, I believe they're all guys from 8711. Okay. They're all guys who were either taught or worked very closely with the guys that do the John Wick series. Okay. Like they splinter off from those guys. Okay, gotcha. So like stunts are really. I mean, the really, Matrix really, guys, the John Wick guys yep. are the Matrix guys who the. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like I think Keanu's stunt double is like the guy who is directing John Wick, I think. Uh, he was. He uh, was. Yeah. yeah. Was. Yeah. He was. He I doesn't think, anymore. I don't think he does anymore because it's uh, it was David Lynch and some Chad something. John Leadish. Yeah. Like I thought it was, I can't remember. Yeah. But they were all 8711 guys. Okay. That was the name of their their yeah. sc- stunt like team and mm. the the building that they yeah. they rented and whatnot and the guys who do Titans yeah. are cuz uh, our stunt coordinator on one of the music videos I was on he mm. is like the stunt coordinator yeah. and he directs episodes of Titans. Oh wow. And that guy directed Undisputed. Okay. The the the, the, the he directed the stunts on Undisputed mm. too. Which starred Scott Atkins and Michael Jai White. Okay. And has gone down in history as probably one of the best, like, fight movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stunt, like, like best choreographed okay. fight movies oh, wow. in history. If you haven't seen it, you should. I will check that but out. But again, yeah. Scott Atkins was a good Batman. He had the build, he didn't need a suit to make him mm-hmm. look the way he did. It would have forced Batman to be Batman. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong, Zack Snyder's. Fight, like at the end of Batman v Superman, that fight scene was yeah. wonderful, but that yeah. wasn't Ben Affleck. That was mm. a random stunt dude who was amazing. And, True. And like a really good stunt team. Yeah. Like that's the way the whole movie Batman should be. Stunts. It should be about yeah. detective work. Yep. Which and, Matt Reeves is going to be about, yep, apparently. Detective works and, and fisticuffs. Yeah. Because <laughs> dude doesn't have the proper, superpowers. The, yeah. the proper uh, name for fighting? Fisticuffs. Yeah, yeah. fisticuffs <laughs> and, some, uh, and, some, and some gadgets. Yeah. And, and like him dealing with relationships yeah. with his villains. Yeah. Like, that's, that's well, it. Then I hope you like the Matt Reeves Batman when it comes out then. Maybe. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll I, find out. I'm always yeah. hopeful, but I'm disappointed that we just can't. <laughs> yeah. We can't seem to find on-screen talent that aren't. Like recycled and used and mm. had their moment already. Yeah. Like our superheroes deserve a fresh start. Mm-hmm. We deserve to look at our heroes. Like what happened to the age where we saw saw like Chris Reeves? Okay. What was Chris Reeves before he was Superman? Uh, he was a um, was he Flash? Soap opera? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Was he was he Magneto? No, no, he is Superman. Yeah. yeah. And then from then on out. Like he has a marquee role. Yeah, I'm not saying I want my actors to be known as one thing. Because yeah. Chris Reeves went on to do a lot of amazing things, even after he was in the wheelchair. Yeah, Smallville. Yeah, yeah. He, like, but the fact that you you got to make other superheroes, you got to turn them around. Yeah, and I think Chris Evans is the absolute epitome of that working out. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean Ryan Reynolds too. It worked out for him. His Green Lantern sucked, but mm. then Deadpool's basically Ryan Reynolds. Green, he was Green Lantern. Yeah, he, he was. was Deadpool twice. So, that, and that's I, true. Yeah, yeah, and it's still in Technically, would, technically, he's Deadpool in everything he yeah. does now. 
That's true. He was, which mean, is frustrating me because he's, he's been Deadpool since waiting. Yeah, he was dead. He was Deadpool and Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. He was de- he's Deadpool and everything, and it's making Deadpool less awesome. Yeah, like I know that's your stick, but dude, save it for Deadpool. Yeah, and, and John Cena as Dom's brother. That's another story for another time. Yeah, like, we're, we're really running. Yeah, <laughs> and and like John Cena missed his thing. He should have been Cyclops a long yeah. time ago. That'd he, been nice. He would have been the best Cyclops. Yeah. So I think we got to start thinking out of the box, like. Mm. Like, for example, like, in order to, like, say, why, 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 number one, mm. we should start, I think I do believe in race bending some characters. I okay. believe, I believe we shouldn't recast, we should reinvent Wolverine. Wolverine should either be mulatto or black, mm-hmm. because I can see his history. Yeah. Him, hey, like, actually, mulatto's not a good term to use anymore, apparently. It's not? Yeah. So, oh, biracial. Okay. <laughs> but it, let's, let's say, let's say, let's say Logan. Okay. Was a young slave. Okay. And in the process of being beaten by his his plantation owner, okay. and his master, his powers emerge. He starts to heal from mm-hmm. every lash, and he rips free and he kills his his plantation. Uh, you know, his his master. Go ahead. Question. Yeah. <laughs> so would that would you want it to be like? Because you know, there's else worlds, right? Now would this be a? I say. As an Elseworld the, thing, or no, as a technically, it would be a Marvel Cinematic Universe because mm-hmm. they now own it. Yeah, yeah. But let's say like a young Logan is like a slave, yeah, and his powers emerge because he's in a high stress moment. Yeah, he's yeah. being beaten on, mm-hmm. and he goes into a berserker rage. Yeah, kills his plantation owners, which dooms every person yeah. on the plantation, every slave to death. Yeah, if he doesn't get the hell out of Dodge. Okay, mm-hmm. and even still, they may kill his family and friends. Yeah. Let's say, dude bounces. Mm-hmm. Where would he go? Where do slaves go to get away from slavery? Uh, up north, north. Yeah, which would explain why he's Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, it, w- it it would add a hell of a dynamic with mm-hmm. him and every other character of the X Men. Yeah, because if he's like one of the only black members yeah. of the X Men team, it would explain why he ended up really hitting it off with Storm eventually. Yeah. It would explain why he is such a loner. Yeah. Because he has a history where he has a history mm-hmm. where he literally couldn't trust most people because of the color of their skin. It's a good idea. I like this. I, I, I can be down with this. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think there are a ton of black actors mm-hmm. that have the build that yeah. will work. Uh, I think Wolverine's hair. Yeah, I think it fits a mulatto guy where it has yeah, yeah. like kind of that froey but kind of not yeah, look. Yeah. Uh, I also think that uh, a lot of black actors age slowly. Yeah, no. so you would get a lot more time. Isn't out of Chadwick that. Bosman like forty two years yeah. old or something like that? Was, yeah, I'm like I thought he was like yeah. thirty. You would get a lot <laughs> yeah. of time out of him, and you are not directly cr- uh, competing with yeah. the wonderful career Hugh Jackman had. Yeah, you're flat out saying we're not trying to erase mm-hmm. what he did. We're doing something yeah. different. But right now, if you go with a white guy, he mm-hmm. will always be compared to Hugh Jackman. Yeah. You go with a guy like who's mulatto or mm-hmm. black and 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 ground his yeah. his history yeah. in actual American history and yeah. Canadian history, you're gonna kick some butt. I like to see that. Uh, and all the wars yeah. he fought in makes sense True. if he fought for the North. Yeah, makes sense if he kept dabbling in American history mm-hmm. like that because he has a dog in that fight. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like I can see him, I can see him dying or getting nearly killed in a lot of American wars if yeah he felt like he could stick it to the, yeah. to the man. It's kind of like a Highlander in a sense, you know what I mean? Like especially Wolverine in that in that regard. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's you know, and then him not trusting Professor X. Yeah. Can you imagine being a former slave with a white dude trying to go into your head and control yeah. you? Oh yeah. That would make him kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Well, a cyclops. Yeah. You know, you just have this basis for like his animosity for people mm-hmm. and his distrust and yeah. his rage issues. Um, I just think it 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 works in a lot of different ways. It makes mm-hmm. everything about Wolverine's story that's already existing a little bit. Mm-hmm. It adds a little extra stakes to it. Well, I'm just gonna say this: you should make it. I wish I could. Yeah, I mean, you could technically as a fan film. I wish I could. I mean, I've thought about mm-hmm. it. I just the resources. By the time yeah. I do it, they'll already have another Wolverine. They'll probably go the traditional mm-hmm. route. But you would think that someone as innovative as like a Kevin Feige or something yeah. would already be moving in that direction. Because maybe he is. Maybe he listens to this sh- podcast. Yeah, maybe maybe maybe. that would be dope. <laughs> be dope. And you should not. Yeah. You should not. You should do whatever it takes to not yeah. undo whatever Hugh Jackman did. Yeah. Like, and I think the best way to do that is to kind of bend, change it up a yeah, bit. Yeah, change it up a bit. And I think we would yeah. accept that because yeah. it, it's such a clever way yeah. of grounding not just Wolverine's history, but his mm. matriculation around yeah. North America, him going to Japan. Yeah. What if Wolverine was that first, that black samurai that everyone hears about? Yeah. Uh, oh shit yeah you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah, like yeah. he fits into history because he's been around for so long mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah. just so i think that samurai's name was asuke 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 or something like that i can't remember yeah but like wolverine can fit yeah and he would stand out yeah you know what i mean he would stand out and the physique the you know what i mean yeah, yeah. the the the, the, the I bunch think of it, yeah a whole bunch of things just yeah, work yeah. Especially if he's mulatto and you get a dude with like some. You're really aiming for that one, yeah. I think. It, yeah. I think. Well, for one thing, if he's mulatto, he doesn't step on the other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Storm. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? She. Yeah. You know, I think they're just different enough. Mm-hmm. It adds a couple different shades. You yeah. know, hey man, I like mixing my. Uh, yeah. I like uh, my coffee with some cream. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you want. I like. Do. I like making the swirl yeah. ice cream. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your life. I'm not going to so, judge you. So. <laughs> uh, so going back to Takeout Girl, though. Yeah. Um, what was the editing process like? Am I missing anything in production that went like? Actually, no. Tell me your best day of production. What was the best like day of that? Like the most memorable day. The most memorable day. Uh, last I, day. No. <laughs> they were. Yeah. I kind of want to go to that. <laughs> I think it was just every day was memorable for some yeah. reason because I. I I made a film with a bunch of people who mm-hmm. could really, who really had a good time making yeah. fun of each other, and we we do that all the time. Yeah. Like we joke our way through all the hard work so that it doesn't feel like hard work. Yeah, and we grow closer because of it. And everyone's on point with their job. Yes, mm-hmm. there are mistakes made. But yeah, that's on every set, mm-hmm. and we understand it because we. In my head. I've been making films for a long time, but yeah. this was the first film where I changed the parameters for myself, mm-hmm. and. What was important was not just making a good film, yeah. but making a film well. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the people have to be more important than the movie. Yeah. Be- because you will... I'm going to make another movie, mm-hmm. but I can't undo every one of these day-to-day moments with mm-hmm. these guys. There had to be some some slack given. There had to be an understanding of, yes, I'm trying to get into South by Southwest. I'm yeah, trying yeah. to get into all these great film festivals. But not at the cost of hurting people's feelings mm-hmm. and not at the cost of overworking people. Yeah. So there were many days where I would cut it short yeah. and my crew would pay dividends because we'd knock out more the next day. Yeah. 
we didn't even have to have the discussion. If I looked out for them, they looked out for me. Yeah. And like I said, no discussion mm-hmm. having. We just the rest paid off so much, and yeah. they were so grateful that I that I looked out for their well being. That they just had a little extra pep in their step. All yeah. of a sudden, we're pages ahead. And the thing we didn't get or I didn't think I liked the day before, mm-hmm. they're gung ho. Hey, we're yeah. here. Let's knock that out, and we'll still finish early. Yeah. So I think every day was a memorable day because mm-hmm. I learned a lot. I learned that if you take care of your people, they'll take care of you. Yeah. And that you should always aim to not just make a good movie, but make a film yeah, yeah. well. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah. Nice. Uh, post? Post. Let's talk about post. Uh, what was that? Was that fun? How fun was that? I learned a lot. What you learned? What was the most important thing you learned? Let's that. Let me ask you that. Um, probably if there's a lot of things you learned, that's the, the most important again, stuff. Again, people before the product. Yeah. Um, uh, I also learned that Adobe Premiere <laughs> can be a rough program, yeah. but, but for reasons mm-hmm. you wouldn't think. Like, what was the reason? Let me let me see if I let me see if I okay, believe ahead. you. Go ahead. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to throw out <laughs> no, some no, reasons. No, no. Um, it does not like uncompressed audio. Oh yeah. Like it'll you're you're like yes we had some so a lot of multicam footage in mm-hmm. there but it wasn't the footage that was slowing down the performance. It's the audio premiere. It's the audio. Yeah. So you may want to convert those files into uh, a AIFF. Yeah, yeah. Before you throw okay. them in, if possible. Okay. Like uh, uncompressed audio, like a, like a higher spectrum. Yeah. Forty eight. It's like yeah, forty eight kilohertz, yeah. like wave files. Yeah. Yep, wave files, and then a yeah. bunch of MP3s yeah. for all of the. Uh, well, MP3s also effects. just suck for the yeah. for that stuff too. Yeah, right? it yeah. was really tough on our computers, so we ha- we were like tiptoeing along mm-hmm. for a while. But uh, we had three editors. We had mm-hmm. uh, Sam uh, Zepian, mm-hmm. uh, who's a local filmmaker here. Yeah. He did a good chunk of the film, and uh, Alberto mm-hmm. obviously jumped in yeah. on on editing. And uh, I did the lion's share, and then mm. everything they did, I would go through and put my yeah. fingerprint on it as gotcha. well. Um, Alberto I, colored the entire film. Nice. We kind of did it together, but he was hands on the keys, you know. Question: When you when you did the three editors, were you like seen? You guys get scene one, two, three. I yep. get scene two or yep. scene four. Yep. Alberto, you get scene six to ten, right? Yep. We would divvy it up. Yeah. yeah. Reconvene in a week. Mm. Uh, create project files. We were just very organized. Yeah. yeah. We organized. Yeah, you got to be, especially yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yep. And it was just really easy to bring all the files back uh, yeah. from their hard drives to my computer okay. and my hard drive. So you didn't have like a NAS or anything where you guys can just... Nope. Okay. It was just copy. It was just copying everything yeah. over properly and then opening and relinking, yeah. basically, which was simple because yeah. the organization was simple. Yep. Each scene was like its own project. Yeah. And then we would put each project together. Mm. And then, you know, once we got to a certain point, we put that whole project you know we did yeah. reels essentially yeah. i think we have five reels and we put all five reels together did you have an ideas thing i think I did the same style idea either uh, i did one whole project file and then i just did a scene inside the project file mm-hmm. that i had a master timeline anyway mm-hmm. and i just did each scene individually first and then mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that that's how that went i think i think it took us only Two or three months, but we didn't okay. work all the way through. I yeah, think yeah. it's three months of solid, solid editing, mm-hmm. and then a couple, couple little bursts yeah, yeah. right afterward. It wasn't too long. How long did? I mean, how long is the movie? The movie is ninety-eight minutes. Okay. Oh, I will say this: uh, our post sound process was horrendous. Why was it horrendous? Um, we the biggest hiccup on this film altogether was our post sound team. Mm-hmm. Like we actually were done with the film months before our sound team were. Okay. Our sound team started work. They requested 
scenes in January of 2019. Okay. And when we got to August of 2019 and we were done with the film for mm-hmm. a month, yeah, they still weren't done. Holy shit. Like, even though we had been giving them yeah. footage all the way along, mm-hmm. and then when we got the mix, it was terrible, and they weren't good at taking... Our, sound, our post-sound mixer was not very good at taking critique. He actually got yeah. upset instead of hearing what I needed. Yeah, yeah. He was making mistakes. There was yeah. actually, when we were supposed to be done with the film, we spent a week because he sent me, he sent me the wrong files or he com- com- converted it wrong. Oh. And I'm like, this doesn't sound right. And he's telling me I'm wrong for yeah. a whole week. Yeah. And then he realized when he updated the project, his presets on his exports were not there oh, Jesus. anymore. So like I lost a week. So I had to compete. At my first film festivals, mm. I was competing a work in progress, which is terrible for yeah. me. You know, it was very terrible. And I really believe I missed out on some major opportunities because yeah. of my post-sound team. So it's really, really important that filmmakers go out and really find. And what's weird is I had worked with them before. Yeah. I thought we had chemistry and I thought they were stand-up guys. But yeah. They just were not. And I had to have the whole film mixed by a first-time feature filmmaker post-mixer who mm-hmm. killed it. Nice. And the mix I have and the cut I have of this film is now exactly yeah. what I... I'm happy with it. Yeah. I feel like I've I've progressed as a yeah. filmmaker. I'm proud of the product. Mm-hmm. We've been getting four and four and a half star out of yeah. five star reviews that, consistently. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. Yep. We got an eight out of ten on Film Threat that's for awesome. Takeout Girl, which is yeah. the same they gave. That's the same rating they gave the Farewell. Mm-hmm. We beat a lot of the Asian American films that came oh, out wow. of Sundance this yeah. year. Because our rating came out during the Sundance yeah. coverage. Perfect so timing. Yep. Yeah. So we were right up there with like all of those. Yeah. And it just it, it was heartbreaking because if our post sound team had just yeah. been on the same page as every single other person on this film, mm-hmm. we would all possibly be at South by Southwest or Sundance rather than having to compete a work in progress yeah, and yeah. ruin our opportunities. Yeah. And we spent money on those film festivals. Yeah. You know, we lost all of that. Yeah. And there really hasn't been an apology for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took our money. We paid them. Oh wow! It wasn't like it wasn't yeah. like we had them do it for free. Yeah, yeah. It was a you paid them. Yeah. Shit, yeah, we paid them, and they just did not come through. Question: uh, How long was the rough cut? The rough cut so. was 105 minutes. Okay, and then you not, and then was it easy to knock that to 98? Yeah, it, I have I a killing cut. the babies is tough. No, I love that stuff. <laughs> I love cutting shit out. Like Alberto is like. He always he knows me, man. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna cut your stuff up. Yeah. I cut out 15 minutes. Okay. At one point, so it was like 89 minutes okay. from 105. Yeah. And then I kind of was like, I've gone too far. Yeah. And I so I I rebuilt it. Yeah. But that's the way I work. Mm-hmm. I just cut so much out. Yeah. And then slowly build it back up. Yeah. Okay. Because I like I like I mean because I'm more about I like the idea of you know filming everything you can. So if mm-hmm. it's like four hour cut. Then you can cut. If you have the equipment, yeah. you should be. Yeah. You should be shooting all day. Even, even 105 minutes, like that's mm-hmm. still a great length to have. And then knowing at least you cut down what like you said, 15 minutes most, I think you said. Yeah, I cut like, down 15 minutes even out cutting of it that and out, then built like it back up. Yeah, at least like, you know, you're not losing hopefully that B storyline mm-hmm. or there's like part parts, you know, or you don't have it. If you had 89 minutes to begin with and you had to cut it down from there, that's like kind of like tough. Mm-hmm. Tough as is, because then you're losing losing things, I feel like, too. Yeah, I agree. This film, we didn't really yeah. lose anything. Yeah, yeah, that's we good. even have yeah. additional scenes in there. Yeah. So, like, I think the script was 120 pages mm-hmm. or 123. Yeah. 
and it's a 98 minute film. Yeah. So we were we not were, too bad. Yeah, we were yeah. running like 40 seconds per mm. page essentially, and it, the movie really moves. That's good. This cut I'm proud of, and I'm glad we have a new mm. mixer. I couldn't be more proud of that mixer. I'm mm. taking him out to dinner ASAP. Awesome. Uh, he you saved take him our for some steak. Oh hell yeah, I'm taking him for some KBBQ if he's into <laughs> All that. All right. Like I I feel I feel like I owe him the world. Yeah, yeah. Like because he he was the finishing touches to this film, and he yeah, did yeah. it with. He did it with so much heart, yeah. And he did it with not a big setup or yeah. a big board. Yeah. He hasn't won any awards yet. Yet he and he's young. He's in yeah. his twenties, and the guy okay. who mixed it before is in his almost sixties. Oh wow! So like, really, guys, you can rely on your peers mm-hmm. to make to make your films yeah. and to progress your career. You don't yeah. need, you know, you don't need some fancy studio or anything yeah. like that because they won't prioritize you. No, you need somebody young and hungry. Mm-hmm. And then film fe- you're in film festivals. You're just in. I know the one that you're talking about, the San Francisco one, right? Uh, San Jose. San yeah, Jose, we, sorry. We got into Cinequest. Cinequest. We're pr- world premiering there, which okay. is a still yes. great considering yeah. they're the first. They 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 selected us off that rough cut. Oh wow! And they haven't even seen the new cut yet. They asked us for it, but they loved the film as yeah. it was. And they uh, they were going to screen four times there. They have yep. been voted the number one film. Festival in the country. Oh wow! Uh, by really CNN impressive. and wow. USA Today. That's great. As recently as like a year or so ago. Holy shit! Like they've been they've done it twice. Yeah. So and you once again when they say number one film festival yeah. in the country, we're talking about film festivals that's that program eighty percent or more from mm-hmm. their blind submissions. Okay. Like Sundance, Slam Dance, they're curated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. They 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 they're grabbing from okay. their workshops. They're grabbing from studios. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they had uh, Slam Dance had Jake the Snake, that Jake the Snake documentary, which I, I saw actually mm-hmm. when Slam documentaries Dance. are a little different. Okay. That's probably where they're grabbing okay. most of their blind gotcha. submissions. But narrative okay. feature films, those are like studios. Okay, gotcha. Because I was thinking Slam nature. Dance. Sorry to cut you off a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. I was thinking Slam Dance was more about like the you know like open it submissions. Used to be, but yeah, they also were sponsored by Apple in a couple years. Oh, ago. really? Yeah. So like I, I went to Sundance uh, in 2014 and 15, and uh, and we couldn't get tickets for Sundance movies, but we got. The Slam Dance tickets, the one year for the Jake the Snake documentary. Right. That's why I was like, Slam Dance seems cooler. I think there's more chance of me getting into Slam Dance than Sundance. Slam Dance is like they're, but Slam Dance aspires to be like Sundance. They yeah. say they but don't, the same but week. they do. It's the same week. So oh yeah, same same yeah. area too, almost. I, I all the way down the street, Main Street. <laughs> yeah, I want them. I mean, I wish Slam Dance was what it says it's going to be, but they're also pretty heavily curated yeah. as well. Like oh, they're, supposed they're picking to be the, stuff. It's supposed to be whatever, the rejections of Sundance yeah. at one time. Yeah. Or just from blind submissions. Yeah. There's two different types of festivals. Yeah. There's curated mm-hmm. and there's pulling from blind submissions. Gotcha. And like Tribeca, yeah. that's curated. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn, that's, they brag that they pull 90% of their films from mm-hmm. blind submissions. Wow. That's probably the highest percentage. That's great, yeah. And unless they're telling you that percentage, mm-hmm. they're probably not doing it. Yeah. With Sundance, you take like Slam Dance or Sundance, they're pulling like ten. Yeah. Sundance is like two percent. Two percent of their films mm-hmm. are from like blind. Submissions. I can see that. Yeah. It's like Slam Dance, it's like ten percent, and that's pretty terrible odds. Yeah. When you're only programming twenty feature films. What about South by Southwest? South by Southwest is pretty low too. Okay. They're down there yeah. as well. I the think majors. They, they used to be way better, but yeah. now it's and the agenda. Mm-hmm. Like we submitted to South by Southwest in the category that I would have been in, they only selected one male filmmaker. Oh, okay. Out of the ten films in that category. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. 
like you know what I mean? Like it's 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 a rough world out there. Yeah. Like I like it's hard to live in a time where I can overcome so much mm-hmm. as a filmmaker, yeah, yeah. you know, from jump. Yeah. Being lucky enough to find the right team, mm-hmm. being lucky enough to exceed to punch out of my weight class in yeah. terms of budget, uh to make a film where Fifty percent of my crew were female. Mm-hmm. Uh, my lead is female. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, I was the only black guy yeah. on the crew. <laughs> I had Hispanic. Yeah. I had white. I had Asian. We were like a united freaking nations, both in front of <laughs> yeah, yeah. and behind the camera. Yeah. And my films still may fail because most filmmakers, most film festivals, are actively choosing. Films that are made by female directors mm-hmm. over is that because it's the hot topic right now. It's because of the public pers- the public image they will have if they do so. Okay, so like I may be cursed to not progress in my career simply because of what's in between my legs at this particular point in time, mm-hmm. and that's been really hard to deal with. Yeah, the fact that I could tick every other box and I have to go, but what if they don't want to? What if they don't want to, dude? Yeah, in there, and well, the fact that I'm black that yeah. means nothing. Like it's still the film industry as a whole has done such a good job of making me feel bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Because if I was a black woman, I'm top priority. Yeah, like we're gonna program you, we're gonna champion your story. Yeah, but because I'm a black man, it's like I'm not in the room. Mm. And that that sounds terrible, but it's genuinely my experience, and okay. it's the experience of a lot of other. African-American men, I know. Um, And the worst thing in the world is to to be a great leader, Mm -hmm. to be a great member of your artistic community, to make a film that earns so much respect and gets great reviews, and to know that your team may suffer because you were born with a penis. (coughs) Like, what do you say to them? I, I don't know. That's I, I what don't I'm know looking what at. Yeah, I don't know what you'd all, say to them. All the yeah. film festival fees, as I watch film festivals pass and see mm-hmm. what they do, you know, and then there's the percentage of film festivals that just aren't even going to watch your film. Yeah. So you're you're losing and, 10 to 20% right off the top yeah. there. And then how many am I going to lose simply because I'm not a female and that's yeah. what's in style right now? I mean, I have, a, I have a love-hate relationship, actually more of a hate relationship with festivals in a sense, like local, more local ones than actual, like, Bigger tier ones because, mm-hmm. um, well, again, we'll get into this, into that other topic. Um, but that that'll leave it for there. For mm-hmm. then, I'll explain myself. Um, but yeah, man, that I mean, I guess you gotta find a new way of doing things in a sense too. You it's, know, it's it's it's. Look, I don't lose hope because yeah. I really love what I do. Yeah, I could be digging it, ditches somewhere yeah. and whatnot. And I don't want you to lose hope. That's yeah. yeah. We don't, and I, I I'm not made that way. Yeah. No. So like in a weird way, uh, I'm good, but it's. I think I'm also built to be honest about yeah. the situation we're in. And yeah. my biggest fear is that my team fails because it's out of style yeah. to to put a black man on a pedestal mm-hmm. for even a moment. Yeah. You know, if you could choose what sort of minority you're gonna yeah. put on the pedestal, well, hey, yeah, it can't be a minority with a penis. Yeah. And that's kind of a sad, sad fact because if they took five seconds to get to know me, they would know when you put me on a platform mm-hmm. of any sort, yeah, you are effectively putting just dropping a bomb of of success, yeah, 
on a huge group of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all it takes is one of us yeah. to do something very, very special. And then the rest of us are like, that dude's so normal. I can yeah, yeah. do that. Like somebody's got to shatter that ceiling. Yeah. And I'm in the position yeah. to do no, it. I've and, done the work. And, and that's funny because that's a, that's a question I like to ask you. It's about like, again, in that second half of the show, or the last half of the show, about like I ask always, what's the thing that Vegas needs to kiss the glass, right? Vegas mm-hmm. is kissing the glass, but what is it that needs to break through the glass? So I think your answer is kind of leaning towards that in that regard. It's going to take bold. Okay, so remember how we were talking about yeah. how Hollywood is scared? Yeah. It's the same thing now. Yeah. Like, I applaud Cinequest for being bold, mm-hmm. for investing their platform yeah. in tomorrow's filmmakers. Yeah. Because Sundance, it's all about yesterday's filmmakers. Yeah. It's, not a, it's, it's all about yesterday's filmmakers, and it's only about applauding the filmmakers with whom you've had a personal hand in, yeah. in making Get Somewhere. And they're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Seattle. Seattle's, Seattle International Film Festival is something I've aspired to my whole life. But yeah. when I look at their programming and see how similar it is to Tribeca. Interesting. It's almost like they're trying to be Tribeca instead yeah, yeah. of trying to be Seattle. Yeah, and yeah. Seattle is a hugely diverse yeah. film festival. Have you thought about like, any Canada film festivals, like uh, anything from Canada? Because I know Canada has a very nice, diverse... We're, su- diverse. we're submitting. Yeah. We're submitting, but I'm also very realistic. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're a no-budget film. Don't get me wrong. We're yeah. getting great reviews. And when people view us... Yeah. When people view us without a bias, which mm-hmm. is, here's the craziest thing. Yeah. When people view us without a bias, they love it. Yeah. And they give us, they give us the, 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 the review and the, and the uh, accolades we deserve. Yeah. And it's crazy because out of the seven or eight major reviews we've had right now, they've mm-hmm. all been done by white men. Yeah. We have yet to have our target, most of them older than yeah. our target demo should be. Yet, 4.5 out of 5, 8 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 4 out of 5. Yeah. All of that stuff. Yeah. And it it just blows my mind that, like, I can't even find... Like, I'm telling a female story. Our lead, our producer, and our co-writer is an Asian-American female, yet we can't get anybody to write it. We can't get anyone outside... Anyone... Any minorities to write about the film. That's insane. Yeah. And it's based on a true story. Yeah, that's like that, everyone loves. Not granted. Not it's early. I mean, yeah, that's granted, true. I mean, it's you, just, early. you just start really. Yeah. Po- I mean, not posting, but like sending them out to film festivals, right? Yeah. In that regard, we've submitted to about twenty-seven that we okay. haven't heard back. Well, you have twenty-seven now. more to do. Yeah, and don't get me wrong; yeah. you're not right for every film yeah. festival. Like, like we submitted to Sonoma, and we yeah. got rejected, but we got into Sonoma yeah. with a film a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, that film starred. A man who was in his 50s, yeah. a white man who was in his 50s. Mm-hmm. And that area is wine country yeah. where there's a lot of rich, older white yeah. people. So they saw themselves. Yeah. And I think Sean Jackson actually mentioned that in the Film Fest Festival thing. He was saying, like, they're specifically made for certain things. Absolutely. Look, yeah, like you were saying. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can't get them all. But yeah. when, you, when, you, when you start to factor it in, it's like, okay, mm. who's not, okay, at this percentage of people are not going to watch your film. Yeah, yeah. And then this percentage of film festivals are just going to curate their yeah. films from other film festivals and then this festival programs mostly stuff that they developed yeah. through their workshops and labs and then this then why film, have film festival festivals then like you know what i mean like then what the- how do you rise yeah. to the top it it's funny because right now i think about my adopted dad dave yeah. who showed me el mariachi yeah. who showed me 
uh, clerks who showed mm-hmm. me reservoir dogs. And little did he know, you know, 20, 25 years later, yeah. his son wouldn't have the same opportunities as yeah. them. Yeah. Even if he did do everything right. And even yeah. if he was an embodiment of the independent spirit. Yeah. And even if he did present opportunities to groups of people that wouldn't have those opportunities otherwise, yeah. he'd be overlooked because we're a celebrity worshiping mm-hmm. sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like virtue signaling yeah. sort of culture now. There's a, a film festival called um, Oil City Film Festival. It's in Pennsylvania. I, I actually talked to the Matthew Croyle. Now, nah, if I remember if that's the correct Oil City Film Festival, I, I'll send it to you, but maybe you might want to look into that one. Cause he still do, he still runs it. I think he has a lot of curated stuff. I if you like, I, if you like I will. to, okay. I absolutely will. Yeah. I mean, I've submitted to pretty much every film festival yeah. my friends have recommended yeah. because Lord knows, like, I'm trying to build myself up yeah. big time as well. Understandable, yeah. Because if I don't like the Calvary is not coming as yeah. Luke Duplass says. Yeah, you have to be the Cal- Calvary. Mm-hmm. And if I can't make a name for myself on this film festival circuit, yeah. then I don't bring much back to the group mm-hmm. that I claim to love and care yeah. about and i don't bring much to the pro- projects yeah. that i'm already signed on to uh now let me ask you this i don't think i ever asked anyone this but like the the reason to gain the film festivals now is it for more of the recognition more of like the accolades or because like or are you trying to make the like the money from it to be honest like honestly from the past two feature films uh, uh me and my friends have made have yeah. sold and, and did pretty well so yeah. i'm not worried about selling the film i think the goal with takeout girls to get a limited theatrical release gotcha and it is about prestige because mm. i think for me i've always been about like i'm not trying to make money i'm trying to make a career yeah, no i get you yeah and like if i can somehow become i don't know gain some yeah. get some representation be yeah. put on some you know uh open directing mm. list yeah and, you know uh, with some agencies and whatnot mm. Even some maybe potentially interviews for some writing jobs, yeah. I bring so much back yeah. to my my artistic community. Mm-hmm. I bring an experience that's very difficult yeah, yeah. to get. I bring access that's yeah. very difficult to get. So, and this film mm-hmm. should be great for that. Yeah, I I ask that because I'm like, well, here's a question for you. Here's our hypothetical, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But like, why don't you do your own network then? Like, why don't you take it Vimeo OTT service? It, and if you think about it, and you start producing your own movies for that, and then you can find the investors as well because you're selling them in that regard. You can also click, like, funnel it basically from YouTube, making trailers, anything you want to do, doing it your own way in that regard. Because then at least you can kind of build in, in that. You know what I mean? It's it's a viable option for yeah. anyone who wouldn't crave being on set all the time. Yeah, because that's a full time job in and of itself. Yeah, like there's no way I can stay an active independent filmmaker and build a network at the same yeah. time. You got to pick because they both require so much. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you don't have to, you can, you can find people to help you work on the network. I'm saying though too, but you can still work on if you're building up stacking your programming in that regard. If you're you making, you can't stack pro see, that's the thing though. Mm-hmm. Like you can't make films the way I do without being yeah. hands on. Okay. And you can't build a network that from the ground up without being hands-on for a very significant amount of time. Yeah. Okay. At least at first. Right. Right. So like, it, it, like you kind of got to pick. Okay. And I'm a filmmaker at heart. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Because I, I believe if I were to succeed, I am going to put a cap on how long I'm going to make films and then I'm going to switch into making it like Robert Rodriguez. He made El Rey. Yeah. He made El Rey. Mm -hmm. And 
why the hell wouldn't I want to do something like that? Yeah. Like, for me to succeed, that instantly means that there's going to be a lot of other people getting some shine. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the most frustrating things about kind of still chipping away at it, mm-hmm. especially when you, when, like, especially when you have peers who have recognized that you should have done it a long time ago. Yeah. Or that you have skill and, and knowledge that's mm-hmm. superior to their own. Yeah. But because of either their race or their mm-hmm. gender, yeah. they're progressing at a much faster rate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah, then, yeah. and not taking the time to share. Yeah. Like, uh, like it, it bothers me that a lot of these programs, there's there's people being selected who really don't take time to share what it is they learn. They just yeah. gobble, 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 gobble it up. Mm. You can reach out to them. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that takes me to, like, Las yeah. Vegas community. Okay. You know? Well, I was going to ask you, before we get to that, mm-hmm. anything else you have for 2020 planned out? Uh, 2020, I know Alberto and I will be working on his feature film, okay. um, tentatively titled Revengeance. Mm-hmm. It's a story about a young lady, not a young lady, but a, a police officer who... Who wants revenge? Wants revenge. Okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> and uh, you're, I, good. I you're good. You're yeah, good. That was good. Shit. Uh, <laughs> My psychic. I don't definitely know <laughs> who definitely wants revenge. Yeah. And uh, I have a short film entitled Blunt, which okay. is based on the first time... I met my girlfriend's mom for the first time. Okay. Um, it's a story, a little bit about race, but mostly about not having knee-jerk reactions okay. to race. Okay. And uh, and how weed can be a great buffer for oh. wonderful conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm super stoked about that. Uh, yeah. I cast a local, two local actresses who are incredible. Nice. Veronica Mitsuk yep. and Trina love her. I love Veronica. Yep. Veronica's, yeah. Veronica is once again, yeah. new talent who yeah. should be put yeah. on. Trina, new talent mm. who should be put on. And then there's Darren Thomas who's mm. been pounding. He's he's a LA based actor yeah. who's been pounding the pavement for he he and I met as yeah. actors okay. on the same project like thirteen years ago. Yeah. And he was the star of my first feature film I made when I was really, really young. Oh nice. We grew up together and like I believe in that guy's talent and I know that this short film is gonna yeah. be a wonderful platform for him. Awesome, man. I'm excited for you, man. Yeah. So all right, now we're getting to the, the heart of the conversation. Cause I'm always okay. trying to figure out this Las Vegas film community because it's very weird, very interesting, very unique. Mm-hmm. And my question for you is like, you know, I ask everyone what are the strengths and weaknesses of the film community and then what can we do to get to the next level? Because we're kissing the glass, I like to say sometimes. Mm-hmm. Basically putting the lips on the glass, sometimes off the glass, you know, depending on what you prefer. Mm-hmm. But what can we do to break that glass? So let's go with the strengths because we like the positive things first in the world. Yeah, well, um, Las Vegas as a whole, mm-hmm. I've met the best people I've ever met before yeah. in my life. I feel more accepted. I feel like I have true friendships here. Yeah. Um, I cultivate those relationships. Yeah, yeah. When I was in L.A., to cultivate a relationship with someone was like an hour drive mm-hmm. there and an hour drive yeah, yeah. back, so no one really did it. Yeah. And here... I see my friends almost every day. Yeah. It's rare to not see them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the class, I yeah. see people I care about yeah, yeah. at least on a weekly basis. I feel like my home is open to a lot of my friends. Yeah. We do a lot of, of fires in the backyard, which nice. again, you have some loot to have a backyard yeah. in LA. So um, I believe there are a lot of artists in this town that are just getting going. Yeah. And they, they don't have the taste of old Vegas mm-hmm. in their mouth Yeah, or in their mouth. And, um, I uh, I found it to be, if you're willing to get out and pound the pavement and do the work yourself, because yeah. I think Vegas is at a place where 
the raw materials are there. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for help, yeah, I think you and I are of a generation where we're not going to get the help. Yeah, we're going to build the infrastructure so mm-hmm. that people after us have yeah. the help here in Las Vegas. Yeah, we have to just make our films on our own mm-hmm. and hope that. People take note of what we're doing, yeah. ask us a few questions. Hopefully one of those questions is how can we make it easier on yeah. you? And based out of what comes out of our mouths, mm-hmm. uh, they make some changes so that the younger versions of us yeah. kick some real ass. And yeah. if we can break through the ceiling from here too, yeah. I think that's just going to happen a lot faster. Yeah. I hope we break, hope, hopefully someone breaks through the ceiling. And I hope you guys do actually because I think we need something – that's different. I don't think we need a party movie or a you know mm-hmm. usual strip movie. I mm-hmm. I always think I always say this as the example. It's like you know Moonlight. Mm-hmm. I think Moonlight's a perfect example because Moonlight shows Miami, but it doesn't really show Miami. Like mm-hmm. we need something that shows Vegas, but like not Vegas as the strip. Well, we cheated Las yeah. Vegas as L.A. Yeah, which means you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> you see? know. Yeah, you could cheat Las. I mean, even like the suburbs of yep. Vegas. I want to see something yep. tangible, something real. Something. There's a like, lot of yeah. amazing stories that could be told yeah. without the strip. Yeah, exactly. Vegas is beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And you don't have to shoot in the desert every goddamn yeah. time either. Yeah. So uh, Vegas, it has the inf- it has mm. the raw materials. Yeah. There are. Look, when I was location scouting Takeout mm. Girl, that was the most trying time of the film. Yeah. Because I went to upward of 25 random places a day to mm-hmm. try and find a restaurant that yeah. I can shoot in and find Did you go to the, the film office at all or no? I went to the film office. Yeah. They were absolutely no help to me. Okay. Um, they essentially, uh, a woman who worked there told mm-hmm. me that these locations do not exist in Las Vegas. Wait, then don't they have a book? I thought they have a book of locations. Yeah. Well, what I did is I made a Dropbox. Yeah, yeah. And I did a lookbook for each location. Gotcha. And I got several different types of looks that I can see in my head each mm. in each folder. Okay. And I shared that folder with this particular woman mm. at the film office, and I didn't hear back from her for a month. Oh, fascinating. Not for a whole month. I had to contact her. <laughs> Either she's researching for you or she's just like, I don't want to deal with she, this shit. She confirmed that she got it. She yeah. just didn't respond to it. For wow. a month. So I had to call her and ask her, Yeah. Uh, hey, what about that email? Yeah, yeah. And it was a much longer, more difficult conversation than it needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just essentially the next day wrote me back saying these locations don't exist. None of them. Wow. That's None of the locations. Like she didn't even try. Funny because I ended up finding all of them here in Las Vegas. Pretty impressive. Which is what lie. I mean by like the yeah. infrastructure is not here in Las Vegas, yeah. but the raw materials are. Yeah. Now that could be because maybe she didn't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe she feels it's not her job to go out and find locations for yeah. us. Maybe that should be someone's job. Yeah. But I do know that when I got off my butt yeah. and went to place after place after place. Now, me being a black man, that's dangerous. Yeah. Like, you learn a lot about humanity, location mm-hmm. scouting. You learn that people react very differently when you talk about a camera. Sometimes yeah. they yell at you, tell you to leave. Sometimes they're really excited for you to be there. Yeah. But the bottom line is I found my locations. Yeah. And it was a lot of rejections. Yeah. It was a lot. Like I said, 25 a day for yeah. weeks. I how many, drove how many so weeks? much. How Probably many about weeks? three weeks. Three weeks to so 25 a day. That's yeah, wow. Monday through Friday because I needed days to just decompress. It was yeah. so demoralizing to be out on the streets. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the location of yeah. too. But boy, was it demoralizing because mm-hmm. some people would drag it out. Yeah. And like yeah, you yeah. get so close, and you're communicating and exerting all of this energy to no avail. Minute, they're like no, to no avail. Yeah, yeah. And like sometimes, like I ran into situations where there were younger people 
managing the yeah. location, but their dad was old, granddad was yeah. old school and he owned it and they're pushing him and they yeah. really want to do it. And we have film insurance and yeah. I have a track record and I have letters of yeah. recommendation from Riverside County. Yeah. And I have everything I need to be trusted in the mm-hmm. location, and you're going to be closed during that time. Yeah. Yet, no. So there were definitely people who were closed minded. Yeah. But for, for every ten people that were, there was one that was open minded, which means the raw materials are here. Yeah. And because of our experiences with them, mm-hmm. they're more than likely to do it again. Yeah. Because we left their locations clean. Mm-hmm. We didn't break anything. Yeah. We weren't loud. Yeah. We weren't. Uh, we were respectful. Yeah, we were respectful to them, yeah. and we didn't disrupt businesses around mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And that's why younger filmmakers could come and still use those locations if yeah. they find them. The, tra- the, the tragedy is that the locations aren't being logged. They're mm-hmm. just in my head. Yeah, yeah. They aren't well, being logged. You should logged. log them. You should. Well, they're just in my head, and yeah. obviously they're in my film. Yeah. But technically, that should be the film commission's job. Yeah, no, you're right. And when I was in Riverside conducting business the same way I do mm-hmm. now. They actually made an effort to ask me yeah. what I shot and to go and meet those people okay. and understand what and made no them say yes. From them to the, are they let me ask you this. Not that I'm not trying to I'm I it might sound like I'm being one side on the film being against them, but now have they now that your film's in a film festival, have they come to you guys and like no. are trying to promote you? No. Wow. Um, okay. That's no. that's we, sad. I'm we, sorry. We succeeded despite uh-huh. the film infrastructure mm-hmm. here in Las Vegas. Gotcha. That's the best way I could do it because okay. the time I lost even yeah. asking for help was yeah. kind of critical when you're doing oh, yeah, so much stuff on your own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, I paid for all my locations. Yeah. I paid for every single location, mm-hmm. even my home, because yeah. I had to pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> so... Like I, you know, I I didn't get a goddamn thing for free. And for some reason, because I'm an independent film or low budget film, Mm -hmm. I was treated poorly because for some reason I think they thought I wanted everything for free. Yeah. Low, low. Yeah. Which in my opinion was pretty damn good. Yeah. Because there were clearly people here who were like, yeah, you can rent my business for the day for that amount of money. Why am I the only one out there finding it? Why do it, yeah. why do why does the individual filmmaker have to go out and do that? Oh, you're right. You're right. When if if I could find it, you could find it. Definitely. And you should find it more because it's technically still within your job. Yeah. It's it's within your job description. Because yeah. if you don't have any locations, you don't have any job. Yeah. I get you. So uh, I don't understand that, but I do think that's more up to us because yeah. I feel like I'm new Vegas. Yeah. I know there were things that happened. I even went to locations and was rejected mm-hmm. off of the the experiences they had when they did let other people oh, come wow. there and how poorly it went. Yeah. There's at LVA at the uh, Las Vegas School of Arts, mm-hmm. they actually made the filming requirement requirements more strenuous because of the past because of past film wow. shoots that went bad and people canceling on them after they've made arrangements they used to swing the doors open yeah but that's been ruined but now you have a track record of a bunch of filmmakers coming into town and actually getting films done yeah, treating yeah. people with respect yeah. being uh respecting the cinematic yeah. arts including them in all the post you know post yeah. the film festival festivities yeah. the premieres things of that nature and and, and thanking them yeah, in yeah. the film itself so hopefully we can change that but yeah. again there's a, still a lot of old vegas here yeah and what, uh, any more strengths then? Um, 
biggest strengths, people. Yeah. People, mm-hmm. because they they just kind of run everything yeah. around here. And there's good, kind-hearted people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, beautiful locations. Yeah, yeah. Affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, easy to cheat at as a lot of different West yeah. Coast places. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think that's about it. Okay. Now, weaknesses. Let me ask you this one first before... Actually, no, let me see if you mention it, and then I'll mention it to you. Because usually I tell, like, people mention this one thing on this podcast. It's been mentioned a handful of times, and and this is why I've been stacking the podcast, and no one's been hearing, like, the rest of the episode, so I'm wondering if you're going to say the same thing and the weaknesses. Um, a big weakness, obviously, it's the Film Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the name. Yeah. It's called the Nevada Film Commission, and it yeah. should be the Las Vegas Film Commission, mm-hmm. and then Reno should have its own, and mm-hmm. then every other major city yeah, yeah. in Nevada should have its yeah. own. So I think that's a problem in and of itself. Okay. Um, I think that the community, there is two different film communities. In As Las in Vegas. Splintered? Yeah, there's there's... There's All there's right, you, there's new you, you are like, and there's well, old. You are part of that whole <laughs> conversation because like we many, many people said this, and I've also brought it up a few times where we, I feel the the community as you said is new and old, but I think it's also like just in general there's a fracture of everything like oh, clicks yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah, because like you know there's people that didn't like my one friend did a film and like someone else got mad at him because he's like doing the same style of film. It's like why are you mad? Like, I don't think that here's the thing. Yeah. I, it's. I try to look. I'm objective. Yeah, you know. I, I get consider it, yeah. myself objective because yeah. I am new to town. Yeah, but I will say there is new Vegas and there's old Vegas. Mm-hmm. And and what's cool about this frame of thought is yeah. there are a lot of new Vegas is comprised mm-hmm. of people who've been here for the past decade. So yeah. at one point they were affected or were old mm-hmm. Vegas. Yeah, but they saw that things were kind of stagnant yeah. on that side. Um. Vegas, there is a lot of Vegas where like it it feels like a get rich quick version of filmmaking. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, that too. Where yeah. like, hey, get some old star from LA mm-hmm. to pop up in your film, you know, and and all of a sudden you're a celebrity in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. So you don't actually need to But no one have, knows you still. You, yeah, you yeah. don't need prestige, you don't need yeah. to win awards. Everyone in Vegas is gonna worship you. Yeah. You know, because you had that person in your film and you did it here in Las Vegas. I don't worship those people. <laughs> yeah, it, but it feels yeah. that way. Like, yeah, yeah. Las Vegas is the only place where I went somewhere. I, I was working the 48. I loaned my yeah. house to a filmmaker for the 48, and I was meeting people, and yeah. there was this young lady who reached out to me with her hand, and she was like, hey, are you a filmmaker? And yeah. I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually loaning my house to this team. <laughs> And I reached yeah. out my hand and I said, I'm Hassani. And she pulled her hand back yeah. and then walked away. Wow. And that was my first few months here in Las Vegas. And I was like, huh, it's that sort of time. Yeah. And that's happened three different times here. It's funny. Someone uh, who's on the show said they don't like the 48-hour film festival because you have to pay to get into it. I mean, I've done 48. <laughs> yeah. I've done 48 most of my life. And they're different every yeah. time I've done them. In. And they're fun. Yeah. They're fun. And they should be. Here in Vegas, there's so much talent. Yeah. Like, there are some talented, ta- like, this is one of the, like, I lived in the Inland Empire, mm-hmm. and pound for pound, there are more talented filmmakers in Las Vegas than mm-hmm. in a Southern California oh, wow. town. You're the first person to say that, yeah. No, it's, it's true yeah. to me. It's yeah. true. From yeah. my perspective, it's true. Just oozing with talent. Mm-hmm. However, also oozing with ego. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, um, I mean, coming from Southern California and working with, like, 
some really amazing people because yeah. I worked on this TV show called Hollywood's Best Directors. Okay. Where I got to work with uh, Oliver Stone mm-hmm. and Adrian Lyon yeah. and like Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. uh, David Yates. Who okay. Did, you know, wow, all yeah. the, you know, he's most, I think I was working All with the him. Harry Potter yeah, movies. all the almost. Harry Potter movies, Tarzan. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are people in this town who have bigger egos than all of them yeah. put together. Would you say it's more humbling in LA than it is in Vegas in the sense of the people you met or ego-wise? Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. I can't say that. That's that. because because it's so pretentious to yeah. have an ego. Like it's not even in style in LA to have yeah. an ego. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's it's out of style. Yeah. It, it's it's you know what too it's it, I think it's sad to have an ego in Vegas because the the based question, on what but yeah ex- exactly based on what who are you yeah. you're no one really everyone's a no one based if you think on, about it. Yeah, yeah like look there's a difference between being confident yeah and having an ego yeah like and and yes Vegas I I guess you can call Vegas clicky I just yeah. break it up into new yeah. new Vegas and and old Vegas well it's still a clicky in a sense because it's new Vegas it has its own style yeah, and old, old Vegas so, yeah. but but the thing is. New Vegas understands that we are in this together. Yeah. New Vegas understands that, like, like, because I'll put it to you example. Yeah. There are so many fan films made here in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, and when when Alberto and I made ours, mm-hmm. we made a we cast a bunch of local fan yeah. filmmakers in our stuff. So we right from that statement, mm-hmm. we're saying, look, we're not going to make this a you versus us sort yeah. of thing, and we invited every fan film mm-hmm. creator to our to our uh to our screening yeah you know yeah. like it was kind of like ex- extending that hand yeah like th- that's what new vegas does mm-hmm. like because rising tide lifts all sh- yeah. ships and there are other sides of this thing where it's it's not that they don't it's almost like they're too good to work with you yeah. or they're too far along yeah. or like you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know how to. I don't quite know how to explain it, but there is a lot of ego. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I fake, feel it. L.A. has a lot of confident people, yeah. but not, not a ego. ton of ego. No, yeah. because there's also a certain element of L.A. where it's yeah. like you're looking for the next mm-hmm. big amazing talent. Yeah, which means you have to be open enough to yeah. acknowledge that. Yeah, here in Vegas, everyone wants to like a lot of old Vegas. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who just consider themselves the greatest of all time yeah. without having the track record. Or they call themselves a certain name after a certain genre and they're you know and it's like, no, dude, you're not. That particular person that you're talking about, I find, uh, is the victim, and I will say the mm-hmm. victim of of um a marketing campaign gone awry. Mm. Cause that gentleman, I will go on the record saying, is like me. Mm-hmm. He's a hardworking dude. Okay, he's cool as shit. Yeah, um, I think, I think that gentleman has been mismarketed. Mm. I think, I think he's a he's a victim of like uh, the 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 perception is reality sort of social media campaign. Yeah, that just went a little beyond what he intended for it to be. Because yeah. when you meet him in real life, he's nothing like that. He is a grounded. Mm-hmm. He's confident, yeah. but he's a grounded, hardworking, okay. first one there, last one to leave sort okay. of guy. And I couldn't have been more impressed with him. Yeah, yeah. That was my experience with that particular gentleman. Okay. So, and I've been looking for an opportunity to say that because yeah. he's one of the people people point to as a representative of old Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I'm 
humbled and proud to say that that dude doesn't belong. He doesn't. That, he doesn't wrong deserve category. that. Yeah, he doesn't deserve that moniker. Okay. He is really a hardworking dude. Okay. You know, and I think he's dedicated to progressing, and I think he understands exactly where he is mm -hmm. in terms of his skill set. Yeah. So that dude, I hate that people see him that way, and yeah. I hate that. But and I also think he understands that his reputation is the. Yeah. It's just. But it comes off too. I mean, on. not to. I mean, I would love to have him on the show. This particular gentleman, mm -hmm. I've reached out to him. He hasn't answered me back yet, though. But uh, I think it's also like the way I want. I've seen interviews with him, and I'm like, he comes off. The way it comes off. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. Like, we're all, like, for example, yeah. I believe perception is reality, yeah. especially going into 2020, because yeah. uh, I have a film. Yeah. And if I have a film to to represent, I'm technically representing a whole team of yeah. people, and I got to do what it takes to And you are technically representing Las Vegas, too. Yeah. There are a lot of, like, that particular filmmaker, mm -hmm. I believe, is he's living a life that if you saw it from afar, you would assume he was a yeah. top filmmaker and director in yeah, the industry. Yeah. And like, I think he's mimicking that as best as possible. It's almost mm. like a fake, like mine is yeah. perception is reality. Yeah. I think his a little bit more fake it till you make it. Yeah. And because of that, it, because of that, it makes him feel less accessible. Yeah. But when you actually do get access to him, yeah. you understand, oh, it's yeah. all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And you're just a really cool dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I worked for a whole year. I worked with a dude who was basically faking it till he yep. makes it. And it was just so annoying. It, he is, yeah. and and I don't think it's all him. Yeah. I think it's the people around him. Gotcha. And I think it's it's like a George Lucas style thing. It's a desperation yeah. to make your the things you're a part of stand yeah. out in a world that's heavily, heavily uh, oversaturated. Yeah, which is why I, I'm diving in on Vegas, yeah. but I'm not diving in in the same way everybody else is. Yeah, because I believe I believe that person would be a part of New Vegas. Yeah, because I've I've already worked with. Them. Yeah. And we had a good time. Yeah. And we were able to give each other props. Mm -hmm. And I'd work with them again. Yeah. I would see where things would go with the relationship. Mm -hmm. And even other people who are notoriously known for having major, major egos here in Las Vegas. Yeah. I've seen those guys kind of see the error of their ways and start to come around too. So there, there's far more new Vegas yeah. than old Vegas. The old Vegas is shrinking yeah. really fast. And a lot more people are coming yep. here. Yeah. A lot They're, more. Yeah. Old Vegas is shrinking I, really, I, really fast. Um, you know, I think I think one of the things I see is a lot of actors out here. There's a lot. Let's say a thousand actors. I think the ones that you're teaching, the ones like Veronica, you know, mm -hmm. there's a nice twenty percent of those people that are really actors that are trying to be actors oh, when absolutely. the when the i'll say i usually say like 80 to 90 percent are the ones that are faking it and mm -hmm. saying they're actors and they're more just you know glorified background actors mm -hmm. and stuff like that do you agree with my theory i think that's everywhere yeah okay that's everywhere it's everywhere like because even everywhere it's just, it was just people should know that this is a problem <laughs> and every actor yeah. starts out that way yeah that's that's the hard part about it yeah like every actor starts out as someone who's like not a real actor yet. yeah like, because you just haven't, you can't financially mm. dedicate the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if you do have the money because yeah. of mommy and daddy to dedicate all that time to acting, to acting yeah. you don't know what to do. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, my friend uh, Jamie, who was on the podcast, was saying, like, these actors would show up also to his set, uh, not to his casting, they'd ask, like, who's the director, who's the DP of the thing? Like, why, why do you... Why do you care? Those are important questions for professional actors to yeah. ask because once you get a reputation, yeah. number one, it tells you the style of the film mm -hmm. you're, you're acting. Yeah. In. Knowing the producer, the director, and the writer even mm -hmm. 
could give you an idea of what genre you're acting for yeah. or what type of acting you're supposed to do. Yeah. Because, for example, if I was acting in a Greg Berlanti-produced uh-huh. project, okay. a written project, i.e. CW, versus a Ryan Murphy sort of FX project, well, that's way different acting. Yeah. And if I bring a Ryan Murphy thing to a Greg Berlanti thing, they're both good acting, yeah. but it's wrong. Wrong. For what, and vice yeah. versa. So it's not entirely inappropriate okay. to ask those questions. It's just you should be asking your representation. Yeah. But it, in Vegas, you don't have that sort of representation, mm. so you have to ask it to the casting yeah. director or to the filmmakers themselves. Gotcha. And that's why okay. filmmakers need to stop having knee-jerk reactions to every question and, mm. and an actor asks. You want an informed performer. Yeah. You want every performer there to be able to do their best so that you can get the best. Now that I understand that more, I'll be less critical about it. Cause I was like, well, what's the point? Like you're a small independent film. Like why as an actor, oh, yeah. would you, ca- I mean, as if, if you're not like, if you're an incoming actor, you're just trying to get your name out there in oh, general. Yeah. So I don't know why they were asking in that regards. That's why I think I was more critical it, about now understanding it from it what you're saying. It makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. But again, us as fa- yeah. we all have to take the perspective of someone who's developing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you heard all the reasons and why I feel like my development is being stunted yes. earlier on today. Yes, yes. But it's all about development. Yes. Seeking, just growing, vi- yeah. vigorously seeking development. Yeah. And if we all take that perspective, I think it'll slow down the moment between mm-hmm. stimulus and reaction. Gotcha. So, like, you kind of all, like, there are some actors that will be clueless. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they suck. Yeah. So, a clueless I'm not, actor... I'm not, I'm not saying clueless actors. Oh, wait, I, you're not saying yeah. that, but most people will. Yeah, yeah. They associate an uninformed actor with a non-talented one gotcha. or one you don't want to work with. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Yeah. You want your job to be as easy as yeah. possible, but in order for us to make our job as easy as possible, we have to make sure each actor has the best audition gotcha. possible. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same. Like, I grew up with gymnastics. Yeah. When you're a little kid and you're at a gymnastics meet Mm -hmm. and you have these dudes in suits, like, waving flags and telling you to get up on stuff and then Mm -hmm. you're going to go up and risk your life, they're monsters. They're giant creatures. But as you get, you know what I mean? That want to see you fail and they're mean and they're angry and they don't want you to get a medal. Yeah. And you got to beat them. Yeah. And then you get older and you realize, oh, no, the judges, I know these guys. Yeah. They give me candy at their table all the time. (laughs) And then you realize, and then you evolve a little bit more, and you go, they want me to do well. Yeah. They want to give me a good score. Mm -hmm. Like, they definitely don't want me to get hurt. Yeah, they want you to succeed. Which changes the approach altogether. Gotcha. It lets you know that, number one, I own this. When I step underneath the rings, and that judge raises his hand, Mm -hmm. and I raise mine, I can jump and grab the rings right away because, oh, my God, he's watching me. Or I could take my time and make sure when I grab the rings, I don't kill myself. It's the same for an actor. When the actor walks into the room, it's their room. It's not your room anymore. As a a casting director, producer, writer, or director, Mm. it's theirs. Like, when you call action, it's not your movie anymore. It's theirs. Like, because if you say anything, you're ruining the take. Yeah. If you do anything, you're ruining the take. Yeah. And that's where the trust begins. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Every actor that comes in that room has the potential to either be the actor you yeah. need or be the actor you need on the next thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where the new versus old Vegas yeah. mindset starts to come in. It's like, if we don't if we don't start to see everyone like that, mm-hmm. we're really stunting the growth, 
growth of Vegas as a whole. Yeah. That patience and tolerance is the reason why they're going to go to their next audition or don't. Yeah. And we have that effect on one another. Yeah. I'm going through that right now with press. Yeah. There are people who have done stories on people here in town, put them on the cover of their magazine. Mm Mm-hmm. For thing, you know, not knowing that the project they loved that that person was in, yeah. I directed it. Yeah, but yeah. now that I've directed a feature, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And they yeah. don't know me and they didn't see me play this character. Yeah, and yeah. I wasn't the superhero in it. I'm unworthy of the attention regardless of how many people they affect. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how much they can elevate yeah, the yeah. entire artistic community. Because we're all, we're all connected. Yeah, no, I agree. But no, you're not worth it because you're not a part of that group I yeah. want to be friends with or whatever. Like well, that kind of goes detrimental. into clique, that goes into clickish goes thing. into new versus old and Vegas yeah. mindset. Yep. Like, okay. oh, I'm I'm part of team blank here yeah. in Las Vegas, so I can't help your team. Yeah. Not realizing that if I succeed, we all more succeed. works yeah. comes into Vegas. Vegas builds mm-hmm. a reputation. Eventually, Vegas pops into movie maker magazines. Yeah. Small cities yeah. for film, and then all of a sudden. You know. the, 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 the incentives change. <laughs> yeah. And that could have happened because you did a story mm-hmm. that then the neighboring city wanted to copy that yeah. story. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. And it all starts from respect. Yeah. Just respect the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a pain in the ass answering the same <laughs> question over and over again. But motherfucker, they didn't make you make the movie. Yeah. It's repetition you chose too. to make a movie. That's yeah. a part of your job. <laughs> This is a repetition of asking someone asking you the same question. You at least yeah. you can get better at the yeah. question. Like 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 for example, when I was twelve years old, yeah. you know what I said I wanted to do? What you want? I do? went to direct movies. Okay. I spend ninety percent of my time doing fucking paperwork. Yeah. Like I don't. I didn't say. I didn't get into the game at twelve years old saying, yeah. "Yo, I want to fill out insurance forms." Yeah. And, yo, I want to fill out workman's comp. Yeah, yeah. And yo, let me get this release for this location, baby. <laughs> and yo, like, let me get that no, permit, dog. <laughs> let me get that permit. <laughs> hey, let me fill out this SAG paperwork yeah. this weekend. That's what I want to do. Ooh, Ooh yummy, yummy, paperwork. yummy. <laughs> Ooh, my hands are cramped yet. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. no one got into the game for yeah. that shit. But if I complain about it, well, yeah, fuck you, Hisani. Yeah. You signed well, up to be a filmmaker, and this is a part of it. The yeah. funny thing is, Hassani, it's show business, not show art. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and, and, and like, it's. I have to remind myself of that when the times get hard. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You go to twenty five locations a day, and yes, sometimes people scream at you. Yeah. And yes, you can tell some of these people are treating you a certain way yeah, because yeah. they just saw a story on the news. Yeah. About a dude robbing some somebody's store nearby yeah. yours, and the suspect looked like me. Yeah. So guess what? That's fucked up. Yeah, that is fucked up. <laughs> that is. But Hisani, you said you want to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Do you still want to be a filmmaker? Then shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, um, I may not get into every film festival with yeah. the film I, I slaved over for three years. Mm-hmm. But do you still want to be a filmmaker? Yes. Then shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and just keep making movies. Yeah. Head because down they, and keep going. They can't keep me down. I'm yeah. down forever. And you know what? Worst case scenario, I have to wait until having a penis and having dark skin is in vogue. Yeah. I'll be here yeah. because it started with me loving filmmaking and it's mm-hmm. going to end that way. I'm, I'm not going to let them take that away from me. Yeah. But, you know, and I don't think it's, I, I think it's okay to to not be naive as yeah, to yeah. why my my career is being paced out the way it is or mm-hmm. being naive to the landscape yeah. and the culture of the area yeah. I'm in. As long as I don't let it affect me or make me incredibly cynical or terrible to other people, mm-hmm. 
is cool. Yeah. And I think Las Vegas would be a better place if we can recognize the landscape but not allow it to make us cynical or terrible to one another. We we can be asked those questions by these yeah. actors. We are their first level. Gotcha. When they go off and kick ass, it'll be because we were like, <sighs> yeah. please stand over here and <laughs> fill out the call sheet. <laughs> Thank you so much for the thousandth time. Yeah. You changed someone's life because you smiled at them. Yeah. You smiled at yeah. them. Because you had tolerance, and I try my best to do it. I'm not perfect mm-hmm. at it. Yeah, no one's I have perfect. A class where if you were perfect, you yeah. wouldn't. You you. There's, what's the point of living, really? Like, <laughs> yo, bro, the copy and paste function on my phone is getting weak because of yeah. this class and how many times I have to say the same things yeah. to people. But yo, no one forced me to. Yeah, no one but, forced me to. But the thing is, though, saying the same things, it will slowly seep into someone's mind. Oh, and absolutely, so, yeah. it'll seep into it'll seep into the culture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, they will start to require yeah. that other class classes being run mm-hmm. be patient with them. Yeah. Because that's what they're used to. Exactly. Yeah. They will go to LA mm-hmm. and require that people be patient with them, mm-hmm. that they give them human fucking dignity. Yeah. Because that's all it is, really. Yeah. Human fucking dignity. Some film festivals, if they yeah. start if we start requiring that you watch my shit. Yeah. Because that's a fucking basic dignity you should mm-hmm. give to someone who put thousands of so, hours into something. Like, curation of like a hundred percent, basically for all film festivals, I think would be best. Oh, you mean uh, blind submissions or yeah, blind, blind submissions? Blind submissions. It should have. Yeah, that's, that's technically what a film festival is. Yeah. The I, fact that we allow curated film yeah. festivals to exist, that, that film festivals, you can email them about yeah. your submissions, and they can be like, "Hey, sorry, not answering your stuff," because yeah. we're at Sundance looking for film festivals. Yeah. Looking for films. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. That happened last week. Yeah. And and no one does anything about mm-hmm. it. And it's like, hey, bro. Yeah. Every one of those films you pick. Yeah. That means someone who paid your submission fee has zero chance. Yeah. So you just got paid for your nonprofit. Why are we? Yeah. yeah like, why is that okay? No, it's not okay. It's, I mean, and here's my great with the film festivals in general. So let, <laughs> I'm probably, it's probably wrong as shit, but. I think there's too many film festivals here in Vegas, first of all. <laughs> and I think, like, there's – how do I say this? So there's too many film festivals here in Vegas. And then on top of that, too, there's, like – you know, I'll use this one as an example. They're probably going to hate me. The Las, <laughs> Las Vegas Action on Film Festival I think is a joke because, like, I see these pictures of people posting pictures of them, like, their movie being shown, and, like, only five people are in the movie theater – or like you know they win the award that like only two people were in a nomination for. I'm like, and then everyone's so like up in arms, and like, oh, I'm so good, at, I have a film, and yada yada yada. But like, if you're gonna do the film festival route, I think this is what you should do, and it's what you're doing too. Is you're not going in state, you're going out of state, and you're you're giving yourself a chance to let other people look at it instead of the, these people home looking at it, who obviously they might need the submissions anyway for the film festival. And if someone in Ohio is looking at your film, and Ohio is like. We like your film. We're going to put it in there. Guess what? People in Ohio now look at it. You're like, absolutely right. Yeah. It, it's like sports. Yeah. State, regional, national. Mm-hmm. All of them serve a purpose. Yeah. Like, Action On is kind of fine yeah. for what it is. Mm-hmm. State. Yeah. As a matter of fact, shit, city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, city, state, yeah. regional, national. It's like the spelling bee. Like, yeah, you can, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. work your way up. Yeah. And, and it's, if it's just a citywide event, which it really kind of is, they, yeah. you know what I mean? It's perfectly fine. Yeah. And it serves a purpose. If it makes, if it makes local actors and filmmakers more confident, God, thank them for it. 
yeah. love them because but, we don't get that very often. But the thing, but here's my other issue with it too: is like film festivals I know of and heard of. People like you know you can't post shit on YouTube. You can't like show people the shit that you do because like a lot of people out here say they're doing shit. And then they don't post things for like a long ass time, and like when wait when because I'm I'm accountable oh, yeah. for this. Oh yeah, you know I, I'm in into the it. Situation right now. Yeah, yeah. So like I mean I would love I wish I saw a trailer of Takeout Girl, but world premiere a, status. Yeah, we can't show the film publicly. I think because, it's terrible. Like for example, yeah, we just got into Cinequest, right? Yeah. There are other film festivals that have reached out to us where they probably won't play us because they yeah. wanted the world premiere. Yeah. And if they can't get the world premiere, they'd rather program a film where they can get the yeah. world premiere, which means to accept <laughs> screening yeah. at a film festival, you could lose a screening yeah. at four or five other film which festivals. Which is, I think, a terrible thing because like a, a world premiere, okay, the world sees it, but guess who's really not seeing it? The world. Yeah. Because it's like... Because you don't have the, a celebrity in it. 150 people <laughs> in, in Reagan, yeah, I'm not making fun of uh, Cinequest, but in yeah. San Jose yeah. are going to your film and they're watching it and it's like, well, only 150 people. That's not you the world. Point. Like, even, I think personally, if you're going to do a world premiere, then you should be able to put it on YouTube, schedule it for whatever time that's premiering so you can... Time at the same Which time. Which you could. Yeah. You, you have okay. that choice. Okay. But That's you just may not be able I to do that. any yeah. festivals. Yeah. Either. Well, then I'd rather go to YouTube and post it on YouTube and get hopefully 10,000 people watching it than 150 people watching it at night. You know what I mean? It just, it's, in, it's just, in that regard. it's just a different mindset. Yeah. But I mean, I've made fan films. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Like, I, and you I, get I millions both. of views. I hit it yeah. from, yep. I yeah. hit it from different angles because yeah. the approach, the approach is just not the same mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, and yeah. also, I feel like, I have to. Yeah. I'm not well off enough. Like, we made a fan film right yeah. before we made Takeout Girl. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm about to make another short because mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't afford to ever stop. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I have to do to put myself in a position so that, number one, I can call myself a filmmaker mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Yeah. Number two, I, can I think I think you are a filmmaker. No matter how you, how you say you yeah. are and if you're not making something. But, but I are. work. I yeah. work. I definitely have the fear of one day being unable to. Yeah. One day being forced into working some job, yeah. retail, where like I'm stuck there. Yeah, but because are you I still, didn't make you're enough. not making films anymore. You're still going to do it for fun. I'm just scared of being in a position where the expenses of my life mm -hmm. become so great that I'm stuck working some sort of job yeah. 24, damn near. Yeah. 10, 12 hours a day and gotcha. I don't okay. have the energy. Yeah. That's a big fear because I grew fear. up in poverty. Yeah. I've seen poverty. I've yeah. seen the majority of the people I've ever interacted mm -hmm. with in my life. Are, my sisters are still stuck in that life. They, well, yeah. they had talents and skills and gifts and they didn't get to use those mm -hmm. because yeah. they're stuck. You know, And, yeah. and now they have kids and I want to have kids one yeah. day. But I want to give them a life that's great, and I should be able to do that with the talents and gifts God gave me. Yeah. And I may never because of the things we discussed mm -hmm. and because I'm not in vogue and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's very, very hard to deal with. I tell you that I feel right you. now. Yeah. But I will say this. Um, I'm working my ass off. Yeah, yes, you are. I'm you are a frame chaser, my dude. You are. <laughs> I absolutely am. I, yeah. proudly, I proudly proclaim it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I work from a place of just one day being able to Make sure that when I die, mm -hmm. the word filmmaker can be put on my damn tombstone yeah. or on my urn or whatever the hell they choose to do with my I'll chisel with frame my corpse. I'll, I'll make a chisel frame <laughs> chaser on your yeah, tomb, they, man. And uh, <laughs> also, I just want to leave something for my kids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would love to make enough money to because that was those were things that weren't afforded to me. Yeah. like I didn't, I didn't like my mom had nothing when she mm -hmm. passed. And nothing. you just you just want the best for your kids. That's really yeah, in, exactly in the long run. And yeah. I want them 
the biggest thing I want them to have that Future I never kids. had is kids. Yeah, <laughs> for for and I this is why I don't have kids yeah. is because I want them to I want my kids to be born in a situation mm. where if they ever have to ask themselves, can they do something great? They can yeah. look at what their father did and go, mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they have that thing where it's like, all right, I gotta be better than dad. I got and then you have all that on top of that, like a like I think that's just nurture. All right. All right. I think that might all be nurture. <laughs> Cause I mean, I wouldn't mind having spoiled brats. Yeah. Cause that's all I ever wanted to be as yeah. a kid. Yeah, true. I want it to be a spoiled brat. Like my kids don't have to do. Sh- I, I want. I want. Yeah. Like, I don't want my kids to have to worry about anything. Yeah. I like. Not everybody's supposed to be Albert Einstein. Not everybody's yeah. supposed to be that. If my kids want to work, you know, just normal jobs and yeah. stuff like that, and have fun, or if my kids want to be, you know, yeah. There was a time where people looked at, looked down on gamers. Now they're some of the highest paid people well, in like the world. $10,000 yeah. per stream some people yeah. get. Like, it's like, like if my kids just want to enjoy their lives and be yeah. like, write a travel blog, yeah. do it. Yeah. Because it's not my job to tell them what they want to do. It's my job to support them. Yeah. And uh, just lend, lead them into the right direction. And I want to yeah. have the means to yeah. give that support. And also, I'm not going to live through my kids. I'm yeah. going to live my shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. All the way through their life. So you're not going to be the parent at the football game. telling <laughs> I'll be at the football game, but do yeah, I give a it. damn? No, I played my games. <laughs> no, I'm no. good. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I think it'll be a ball to see my kids try and achieve yeah. things or do things, mm-hmm. but they're not going to compare themselves to me. If yeah. they're anything like me, they're already going to know they're better than me. <laughs> All right. Any and to finish off, any other um, last weaknesses that you saw with the film community? See, you see with the film community, not saw. Um. Nothing that can't be fixed by mm. it's like you and me just yeah. making films mm-hmm. and being open with who can be in those yeah. films and just we're not always going to be dead on yeah but to to take to be compassionate toward yeah. our actors toward our our crew mm-hmm. um, to finish our films yeah yeah that's as filmmaker to yeah. filmmaker. If we're going to impact Vegas in a big finish. way, we need to finish our yeah. films and we need to finish them in a fairly time, timely fashion yeah. because there's a lot of people putting their career into that. Yeah. They're no. counting on us. I agree. I'm waiting on like a few projects to be released. and you know, yeah. I wanna... I, I'm, They're counting on yeah. us, you know, and, and it's important. You know, people's careers could move forward mm-hmm. just because we didn't make it the way, you yeah. know, like my film, Take Out Girl was not the film I wanted it to be until yeah. a mo- well, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. three years of work. Yeah, three weeks ago it became well, you the film it. I wanted it yeah. to be, and now I'm proud of it. Now I'm happy with it. Yeah, no and more stressful nights. No more no ripping your hair out. I'd show it to anybody yeah. at the drop of a hat because I I stand by it. That's we good. did our yeah, damn yeah. job, and it's a movie with themes that are relatable. Whether you're mm-hmm. man, woman, black, yellow, brown, black, mulatto, doesn't no. fucking the mulatto. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Milano, <laughs> Neapolitan, all the ice cream flavors. You just say cookie though, <laughs> yeah, Milano. Yeah, Milano's. <laughs> so any of that, any uh, of that, so, I think it works. So last uh, bit of advice, nugget that you want to give out to anyone who's listening. Um, I would say I feel like I stumped you. No, I'm no kidding, like it's. It, I take the word last very yeah. serious. Um. If I'm talking to the younger version of me or yeah. anyone like me, uh, frame chasers, yeah. Um, your look, the struggle's not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't care if your mom and dad have money. 
Mm-hmm. I don't care if your dad is famous. The struggle's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, embrace it. Yeah. Um, every location you go to, you may be looked upon with sus- suspicion. Mm-hmm. Go there anyway. Yeah. Um, every actor you try to cast, uh, they may choose another film over you. Yeah. Try to cast them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that do not put yourself into a box. Yeah. We live in a world where people are being applauded for being black, white, mm-hmm. male, female, or other. Yeah. Um, but understand that the films you're making should be bigger than that. Yeah. Um, I made a film about an Asian American female mm-hmm. uh, and her family. Yeah. And we're getting good ratings. And you know why? Because it didn't matter that I was a black male and, sh- and the, my co-writer was an Asian female. Mm-hmm. The only thing that mattered was family. Yeah. It's one of the most universal themes there are out there. Yeah. And the antagonist of the film was poverty. Yeah. And regardless of the choices that were made in between those two things, one thing would be certain. Uh, everyone, everyone would empathize with the person trying to get away from poverty. Yeah. And everyone would empathize with the person making questionable decisions. Mm-hmm in the pursuit of creating a better life for their family. Yeah. The themes come first. The agenda should come second. The Mm -hmm. message should come first. Yeah. The agenda should come second. Um, And your films should be as universally appealing as possible. Yeah. Like me, I know my progress is slowed because I'm an African-American man that Mm. hasn't made a film with the word black in it yet. Yeah. Or I haven't made a film about my fucking hair mm-hmm. and how tight and kinky and shit it is. And I might be getting there. But I tell you when I do, it's somehow going to be a film that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Um, I, I can't relate like, to my hair. <laughs> it's not like that. I'll figure out a way. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely figure out a way. Because, I mean, like, I think I struggle because when I do submit to workshops yeah. and things that allow me to break through yeah. that glass ceiling... They can't put me into a box. They yeah. can't count on me to be... Because what's fun being in a box? Exactly. It's yeah. not fun at all. I'm, well, it's kind of fun when you're making a clubhouse. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You, know, you, got, you got me there. You got me there. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, they, they can't put me in a box. And you should... Yeah. Look, I'm taking the stairs while other people are taking the elevator. Yeah. But in the long run, I think I'm going to have lasting power because yeah. I've always admired filmmakers like Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I've always admired... Even Spielberg. Yeah. Like, you know, like, dude bounced. He went from, like, Encounters of the Third Kind to, like, The Color Purple. Yeah. So why can't I? Yeah, no. Why can't you? Look at even uh, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. Like, well, I I got my issues with Ryan Coogler. Okay. Like, I love him as a filmmaker. Fruitville Station to, like, Creed to, like, Black Panther. Those are arguably, you know what I mean? He even has the same actors in them. That's true. And, like, Fruitville... Fruvel Station, for yeah. example, I have a problem with that because it it scares me. Like, a man had to die for you to tell that story. Yeah, and then another person had to die for Harvey Weinstein to make that film more relevant. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin. Yeah, they 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 pushed the press off of two young black men dying, and I'm not trying to perpetuate that. Yeah, I want the the, that was probably the extent. A bad example, then I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah. but that's the thing. I'm glad you brought it yeah. up. The extent of our imagination has to go beyond mm-hmm. the nightly news. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And the fact that I have yeah. to make films like that mm-hmm. for people to want to put me in programs yeah. or accept my films into film festivals shows 
how terrible it is. And that plight is... In, you know, oh, by the way, sorry, finish your thought. I'm going to tell you uh -huh. after. Yeah, just finish. Well, sorry. Just make sure you keep that I, Don't worry, I got it. And and that same struggle, yeah. that's happening with a Hispanic yeah. man or female. That You know what yeah. I mean? Like, why should why should a gay woman have to make a film about a gay woman every single time? Yeah. Like, our world has become very myopic. Yeah. And if you don't fit into that, you're going to have to take the stairs. Yeah. Take the fucking stairs anyway. Yeah. And they'll remember you more on the stairs because if, if they get out the level yeah. and they're walking up the stairs with you, yeah. they'll remember and who you are. Fuck. This, this myopic view, yeah. our shit is getting boring. Yeah. Like, we, like shit will get boring real fast. We need, we need innovative yeah. filmmakers. We need, we need, we need <laughs> the, trans, the trans man's perspective on a Martian American story. We need, we need as many odd combinations yeah. on traditional stories mm -hmm. as possible. I need a fucking Asian dude yeah. raised by a black woman to yeah. talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like my story. It's something different. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? Life is fucking boring yeah. and straightforward. I don't want to see life as life is. I like my boring life, but yeah. I want to see it as <laughs> like, it is. I know. Yeah. I, I want to have a cathartic release. Yeah. I want to be shocked There's at There's a reason why we go to the movies for escaping. Yeah. For escapism. I want a new yeah. story. So actually going back to my thought, because I want, is it part of the uh, strengths, weaknesses thing? But you talked about something that Ryan Coogler does where he uses the same actors. A lot of famous directors do that, but they also use different actors as well. I think a lot of people out here too, because again, giving chances to actors, I think people need to um, use other people, not use the same people in their movies. Because I feel like that helps them grow as an actor, I mean, or as a director as well. So, I mean, I don't, I feel like... And I, some of that are studio yeah. just imposing certain well, things. That's true like too, but I mean, locally, we shouldn't be doing that also. I feel like it should be... Locally, if I don't want, if I, let's say we're making a movie together, right? I, I would like to work with you all the time, but I know I don't want to work with you all the time. You won't grow. Yeah, I won't grow. I can come back to you, and I grew more because I went to work with someone else. I understand, you know, you're, I understand how you work as a person. Then I'm going to understand how that person works as a person. And even as an actor, too, you're learning different notes from that. Embrace the struggle. Yeah. Like, do your own legwork. Yeah, because like, I, I feel like I see a lot of people using the same people and working with the same people, and I'm like, guys... Where are you going to go? Just because they have this, that, and the other thing, how are you going to grow? And sometimes it's just fucking lazy. Yeah, that's like, true too. It's lazy. Okay, like, yeah. like, if I'm using a sound team, yeah. or, or say your buddy used a sound team yeah. and his sound turned out great, so you yeah. just go to your buddy and use his sound team. Yeah. There's no thought, effort, chemistry that mm -hmm. went into that, and yeah. you deserve for that to fall apart yeah. if it does because there was no work there was no basis for that relationship yeah. or that working relationship mm -hmm. like you really got to do the work with yeah. every step even if like just because I made Fight Night doesn't mean I need to lean on mm -hmm. the framework of that project yeah. for the next project mm -hmm. I grew more and and expanded my network so fast yeah. by doing total opposite with brand new talent yeah. like now I can go to the talent from both of those projects yeah. for a future project, yep. I can mix and, and match. Yeah, and then that grows that network more. Exactly, because yeah. everybody's going out and still growing yeah. their network and growing their skills. And that kind of goes back to reputation. that whole new Vegas, old Vegas thing too, yep. is if you grow and expand, then you can Now you know the gap. true reason yeah. why I call it new Vegas yeah. and old Vegas. I get it now. New Vegas continues to grow. Old yep. Vegas stays yep. the same. So last question. What is your social media that you like to push to people if you'd mm. like to give it away? 
My Instagram is at Hisani J, and my Twitter is at Hisani, and I have a website mm-hmm. that is Hisani, H-I-S-O-N-N-I.com. Easy. Easy, 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 easy. Yep, I'm like the one Hassani on the planet. The one Hassani Johnson. Anyway. I know, I'm gonna try, I want to find another Hassani. Like, <laughs> There's another. There's a Hassani something, and we friended each other on Facebook I just because like we were to, like, yeah. this is weird, bro. Yeah, it was it Johnson also? <laughs> no, no? Okay. I think it's... Uh, if you found another Hassani Johnson, I feel like you got to take a picture. And there's like, a Hassani, yeah. H-A-S, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Sinclair, and we worked together at the same business, yeah. and we were like, dude, what the, di- what the yeah. hell, man? And then there's a Hassani... McKnight. Okay. And we hit each other up just because of the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We 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 like each other's stuff, but we <laughs> we really don't talk. Yeah. We just like See, I got to keep tabs on. If you him. met another Hassani Johnson, you could have a, like a multiverse type of movie. No, cuz I would have to if I touch him, we're probably going to absorb into one another. Was fusion and, yeah. uh, fucking uh, Dragon Ball Z <laughs> yeah, or something like, like that. Uh, yeah, what is the grandfather paradox yeah. going on? <laughs> like I don't know. It's like sliders or something. Either that like or that. I'm was, I'm going to Highlander him yeah. because <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> like you just you just you take out a huge like sword and like, where yeah. the fuck did you get that? <laughs> I changed my name to Hassani Johnson just for this reason. <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm sorry. I don't know you though. Uh, no, I'm not actually you. <laughs> but thank, uh, thank you, Hassani, so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure me- meeting me. you and actually getting to sit down and talk to you for longer than five minutes and saying hello. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Yeah, thank you, and thank you again, guys, for listening. And remember, we're on. Unsub- Thank you guys again for listening, and remember we're on you know, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Overcast. Did I say Stitcher twice? Well, fuck, I said it twice. Also, we have you know that Patreon page, which I don't care if you guys want to donate. If you don't, that's cool. We have the other things I mentioned in the beginning of the show that you can donate to as well. They'll be in the description if you want to do that. Again, as long as you guys are learning and getting knowledge, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy you're like listening and hopefully getting some good nuggets from these people because I'm trying to take the knowledge from the people that have it to give it to the people that need it. I stole that from someone. And I don't give a <laughs> shit if, if someone calls me out on that. Um, but again, guys, thank you so much. I can't do it with the love and support of my hashtag frame chasers. Hassani, welcome to the family of frame chasers. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and again, guys, thank you again and have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great month. Have a great year. We'll catch you hopefully next Wednesday on Chasing the Frame. Peace. Later.